0: Hey, I can't help it that you wanted to go on this offshoot debate.
1: I should have been recording. You is should have been. recording. I'm recording. Have you gone live yet on Twitch? We've been live for 12 minutes already, oh, see, nobody then, can hear us talking. Just oh, they can hear reminder, us talking?
2: Everyone, no, make we're sure still on the intro screen. Make sure that your master volume is not so loud that your headphone audio bleats into the microphones.
3: Yes, I was warned last time. <laughs> Uh, I've also uh, got, I'm dual recording in the background with uh, a gate on my audio, so we should be good.
4: You are
2: listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick,
4: Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid.
1: And welcome to Trophy show yours. This is episode 533. I'm your host, Jakey Mick, alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, and the guy who doesn't know how to work his PlayStation, Alex.
4: Ain't
2: nothing but a Matt G thing, baby.
1: He brings the awesome, but he's also grumpy. It's a yield to no one.
2: So, to all of you who happen to be
0: hanging out on Twitch for 11, 12 minutes before we actually went live, you can blame Trick. Because he decided when everybody was here, even though we were probably about five minutes late, Tricky decided he wanted to have a debate, and then got mad when we were 13 not, minutes late that, because he wanted to have a debate. So y'all, that's
1: not entirely head. true.
0: That's exactly true. You no, was like, that's not. Well, hey, 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 let me ask you a question. And
1: no, no, no. What started it was the fact that the last time our guest, which is Matt G, Hi say hi, Matchy.
2: Evening, gents. That's a okay. real limp introduction there. You can do better well, than that.
1: Well, no, Yields got me fired up now. Okay, that's what I do. It started off by Alex asking, "Am I gonna let Matt school me on Zelda again?" And I said that didn't happen the last time. That I just said, "Breath of the Wild is not a Zelda game," which started a debate. And then I put you in your place, and then you kind of like pseudo agreed with you didn't me. Put me in and
2: my then, then, then can I interject? I, you? I put you in your place. Hold on, Matt and, is the guest. Matt, you have the floor.
3: All right, so this actually started when Tricky sent a picture of the shirt he's wearing, which is a Wonderful Legend of Zelda shirt. And I asked him whether that was to honor my presence on tonight's show or if he wanted to actually start another argument.
1: Oh, well, that's, that's true as well. Anyway, as you can see, Maggie, if you're watching the stream, I can't even tell because I'm, I'm watching the true stream. There is my Hyrule Shield and Master Sword. I am a Zelda fan.
2: Initially, Tricky started this conversation with Matt. He's saying, I wore this short f- shirt for you, Matt. While well, his camera was not on himself, so you couldn't see anything but the Proven Gamer logo. And it was like, well, real glad that Matt can see your shirt there, Tricky.
1: All right. Since we got all our guests uh, announced, let's announce the people in our Twitch chat. We have Rick, who has been here for the third week in a row. We thank you, Rick. We know it's late for you. Resident Daryl, who is... Watching this as he's recording his own podcast, I guess his own podcast isn't interesting enough to focus on that. He has to focus on the the number one PlayStation podcast on the East Coast, Trophy Horse. And we also have Nitro in the chat.
2: Uh, I wonder how much Daryl's going to troll you while he's in the chat. Oh, if I was Uh, him,
0: I'd start trolling a lot, especially if I'm listening to it and everybody says, you need to troll Tricky.
1: You know, as you said that, Daryl has left a, uh, a question in the chat. It says, question for the show. Will Tricky buy a Loop Bros poop sock shirt and rep it on the stream? No.
2: I wonder if you guys... I wonder, would you wear one if they sent you one? No. So
3: mean.
1: I, I, I don't promote trash. You sure about that? You're the the one having my. You you, you guys are supposed to have my
2: back on this, and you constantly put me down. Like, really? Look, no, no. You talked about how you don't promote trash, but how many times have you named all these radically, radically games on our on our podcast, letting people know where they can go get easy platinum trophies? Not to mention, not, not mention not
0: not to mention that you also say you work for the sanitation department, which in essence is promoting trash.
1: Wah,
2: wah, yeah, but see, that's wah. the thing is Tricky doesn't do actually any of the the hard work these days. He just sits in the office.
1: Well, that's true, right.
2: but he's still technically an employee.
1: No, I don't sit in the office anymore. I I promoted myself. I'm back behind the truck.
2: You, <laughs> you mean you were yourself. like, I'm bored because I can't. What, what was the story now? They cut off the internet connection or you can't connect to the internet to play PlayStation anymore. Is that why you did it?
1: Yeah, I have no more internet at work, so I can't play PlayStation at work anymore.
2: Is that, why, <laughs> is that actually why you decided to go back into the truck? Yes. <laughs> That's great. I could have told you you wouldn't have liked office work tricky.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm actually more destined for office work. No, the reason I went behind the truck is because uh, I make extra money doing what I do now. I make an extra $117 a day.
2: How, how much more do you need to do nothing?
1: Well no, I actually do work now. But I get oh, done with my job. Okay. But I get done with my job in five hours, so I still have three hours a day to play video games.
0: Oh, your salary, so you get paid no matter what.
1: Yes. <laughs> All right, let's get on with the show. I lost the agenda because I have so many tabs open. Uh, first, uh, let me just adjust the elephant in the room. Uh, first, I want to thank you, Matt G., for coming on the show on very short notice. Originally, we were supposed to have Andy from Dual Screens on. Andy! But unfortunately, Andy, sweet Andy.
2: No, I'm here this unfortunately, week.
1: Unfortunately, Andy had uh, something come up last minute and had to uh, reschedule. So I called, uh, well, I messaged Matt G., and he thankfully was able to get clearance from the wife and was able to join us tonight. So thank you, Matt.
3: Happy to be here, and will do everything I can to... Not be disappointing to everybody.
1: You were disappointed last time. Well, maybe to Alex because he had to edit the show, but we won't go into that.
2: I got no problems with Maggie. I don't know why you're trying to throw me and him under the bus.
1: Well, I was just talking never mind. I was it was an inside joke about his audio last
2: time. I yeah. don't even remember. Yeah. It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't too traumatic if there was something wrong with it, or if it was. If, you know, if it'd... it.
1: It was very traumatic that you actually reminded him before we started the show to make sure he had his stuff right. No, so obviously you did remember. No,
2: see, actually, the reason that I said, "Hey, keep your master volume," like, and it wasn't just to Matt was To everyone, hey, make sure everyone's master volume is down so the audio doesn't bleed from your headphones to your microphone. Is because we had that problem last week, and I had to go in and silence. Basically, every moment that Jeff wasn't talking, I had to silence the audio because our audio had bled into his. So that is why I brought it up.
3: Uh, Matt, Rick wants to know, is that vodka you're drinking? No, no, this is the antithesis of what I am. It's, it's smart water. And he
1: also wants to know how many Funkos you have. Cause apparently oh, he sees your shelf behind you.
3: barely touching what we've got. There's also a whole bunch downstairs.
1: Uh, I, I got uh, like three boxes. I'll sell you because no, I I've
3: told the wife we need to severely cut back on our number of Funkos. <laughs> it's it's when I think of moving now, I'm terrified of how many boxes we're gonna fill just with Funkos.
0: Uh, you Alex, still what? do? You still have your uh, wall of Funko, Tricky?
1: No, they're actually all in boxes. I was trying to remember. Do you? We, I I know when I went through my phase, we we came up with a number. Do you remember the number? Because I think it was like.
0: I thought it was around three hundred.
2: I know that you spent like five hundred bucks a pop. <laughs> you spent five hundred bucks a pop at like at one point to get like a shipment of them, but I don't remember yeah, in total how much you spent.
1: I I think in total I spent anywhere. Quote, I it's somewhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars. In total, on pops.
2: Oh wow!
0: See, I've only got like, I've got like fifteen, and I might—I think I'm gonna get another one. See,
1: I still—I still still never received the Dale and Hart
2: one.
0: Well, I can't help it. You you signed for it. Someone signed for
2: it. See, did sign for it. I've only got two. One was given to me by Ashley. It's a Ninja Turtles one. Donatello, of course. And the other one I got was from a friend. It was a wedding gift to all the people in his um in the groom's party. So. Obviously, those two have sentimental value, but they're the only two I have. Oh, I did spend $300 on NECA Teenage Mutant and, Turtle, Teenage Mutant and Turtles figures from the, the Turtles and Timeline recently. So, you know, I I'm, I will spend some money on some action figures. But, Matt, when you, you said that uh, having to move and thinking about moving all these pops is kind of... Um, uh, it's burdensome. Well, I just... Uh, this past weekend, they had, like, some of those Super Mario Lego sets on sale. And I finished off the Luigi's Mansion set, so I've got all three of them now built and everything. And I've got them set up on my desk. But... I, you know, as much as, like, it is how nice it is to display Legos and how cool they are and, like, fun they can be to build, you know, you've got the upfront cost, you got the licensing fees, the, you've got the uh, the Mario tax or the Harry Potter tax or whatever it is for each set. Uh, so not only are they expensive, but also the thought of moving the Luigi's Mansion Legos because it's not, like, you know, a solid thing, like, you build, like, an at or something, you've got, like, this solid thing you can build move real quick, like, easily and quickly. These things are, like, like little sections like doors and like little set pieces held together by like one little Lego brick. So like they're like they're sprawled out. So like moving these things would be a pain in the ass. So like I'm like, you know what? I got my Luigi's Mansion Lego set and that's all I ever really want. Because I if we ever have to move, I don't want them have to move a you're whole You're
3: triggering my nightmare because I've got the Lego Slave 1 and the Lego Razor Crest because, you know, I, I love the Mandalorian and, and all things Boba Fett. And I'm just thinking of what it's going to take to pack those and safely get them. But yeah, you have a completely different setup in having to pack up a what's essentially a play set and with a whole bunch of individual parts and pieces that could easily go missing if not wrapped properly.
2: Yeah, and I I don't know if I described it properly, but essentially instead of building Luigi's Mansion, like the outside, like the facade of the house, you build like the inside rooms. So there's no walls or anything. So all everything is kind of loosely connected together by single Lego bits. So it's nice to display, but at the same time, moving it would be a nightmare. So like now, whenever I buy collectibles, like there's always that thing in my mind. It's like okay, when I when I have if, if I choose to move anytime soon, am I actually going to want oh. to move this? So I completely understand. Like when you when you and uh, your wife are thinking about, do we want to move all these all these? <laughs> How many are just
3: going in the on? dumpster or a fire? Um, my biggest thing though is i have a uh, pretty extensive sound wave collection from transformers it's all sitting right above me right now and the amount of packing i'm gonna have to do to keep all of that stuff unbroken in transition is making me very nervous this is a set probably worth a couple you know a little probably over a little thousand dollars right now worth of sound wave figures and i'm very nervous in having to pack all those and move them
2: when it comes to stuff you've collected, like, what is the biggest collection of stuff you've had? Is it's it the pops wave. or is it something um, else? I'm not sure
3: anybody watching this stream want going to try to do this, but that's the entire set there.
0: Oh, that's so And cool. it's
3: just, it's my thing. That's, that's the one thing I do.
2: And is that right. when? When did you start that? And how how long? That you started figures?
3: back in college in two thousands. Uh, it's when I got my first G one Soundwave, which is this guy right here. Very loose, but pretty much intact. He's got his battery compartment and his batteries. And ever since then, I just began collecting whatever they could. Uh, I even have the three zero nineteen eighty four Bumblebee. Movie sound wave action figure, which was over three hundred dollars itself. Uh, my wife is very loving for letting me build my collection, like she has.
2: Yeah, that's that is awesome, and and it's good that you probably have focused on one Transformer in particular or one Decepticon because collecting them all would be just ungodly.
3: Very much too. correct.
1: All right, uh, let's move on. Uh, there's a bunch of questions in the chat. I'm not going to get God, Tricky there. hates conversation. I do not, but I did want to welcome BlackKS903, longtime uh, fan of the show. He's been with us since episode one, so welcome to BlackKS903 into the Twitch chat. Appreciate you being here. Uh, let's do our updated trophy count. I am level 683, total trophies of 16,758 with 372 platinums.
2: Alex? Well, you couldn't give me a better introduction as I upsum some of my number this week. It's fine, Tricky. It's fine. You're what, jealous of my Platinums. I get it. What? What is with you being so sensitive today? It's one of those days, man. I'm a sensitive person. Level 460, total trophy count of 8,042, and a Platinum count of 127 in 126 games. If you've been doing the math over the weeks, that means I got a new Platinum this week.
1: Nobody cares. Al- Everyone
2: uh, cares, except for you. Nobody cares. Wait, what would you do, Platinum, Alex? Oh, well, you don't care, so I guess I don't need to tell you. Don't tell me. Tell the listeners. I'll tell them what we've been playing. uh, Hopefully you give me a better introduction for that. I'm pulling a Lacey Evans. I want more respect.
1: Yield, give me your updated trophy count, sir, please. Me? Your name is Yield. Uh Uh-huh. I thought you were still
0: yelling at Alex. Oh, no. Four seventy-seven is my level with a trophy count of eight six three three and a plat count of one five four.
1: And Sid is level six hundred four with twelve trophies of twelve thousand seven hundred thirty-four with two hundred eighty-eight platinums. Matt G, uh, your trophies are not on the screen because you haven't blocked
3: on private for the PlayStation profiles. And there's uh, a very important read stuff. for that. Go ahead. I, because like everybody else, I get random freaking messages from people. And scammers, hey, hot stuff, you want to play games with us tonight? No, I don't. I don't want to play with anybody. I just want to play my game and leave everybody alone. I am a level 216, uh, total trophy count 216, zero platinums. What are the chances that your
1: level and your trophies are exactly the
3: same? I think I should just retire now and keep it that way. Sounds like a plan. You know, I don't get those messages. So
0: Every
2: so often I do. Uh, That's because even the bots don't want to play the games you play, Tricky.
1: Black Black Chaos says, please not Lacey Evans.
2: Alright, I'll back off it. Sorry, Black Chaos.
1: Uh, Rick is saying, Tricky is accusing people of hiding. Ha ha. And Nitro says, congratulations, Alex. Alex, could you tell us what you've been playing this week and what new platinum did you have, sir?
2: Well, I did get much congratulations for this on the Trophy Looting page on Facebook, and Thank you, Nitro. You're such a good soul. I got the platinum trophy in Assassin's Creed Origins.
1: Yeah, how'd you cheat? I want to know how you cheated.
2: I didn't cheat. It's all all, all skill, all effort, and all time. That's, that's what I do. You were
1: bitching and complaining about those elephants, so don't, don't even...
2: I mean, eventually I took them down, though. I whooped them. You know, I, I, got a, I got a legendary weapon. You know, I tried to take them on a little too early, and then I came back later with a legendary weapon and whooped them up. So I'm just tearing through enemies at this point. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter if you're an elephant. It doesn't matter if you're a nubis, it doesn't matter if you're a pharaoh. I'm tearing right through you. Alright, so is that all you played all week, sir? Well, I, I will go more into it since I did finish the game and I've jumped into the DLC. I didn't know are we at the section now where it's what we've been playing? That's
1: what I led you into with all the hype because you wanted Well I was too hurt sensitive from Man. earlier to truly Mr. pay attention sensitive to what you Man. were saying. Do I do I need to go out and buy you some? Never mind, I'm not gonna finish that statement.
2: Yeah, you're probably better off there. Probably. Because whatever you throw at me, I'll deflect right back at you, and you feel like a goof. Yes, I have been playing. Uh, finished off Assassin's Creed Origins. Beat the main game. Got the platinum trophy. Finished everything in the world. Got all the markers done and everything. Started on the DLCs. Uh, before I get into the DLCs, uh, the end game stuff. The the final mission is uh, like it's very historically like there's a big historic event that happens in the final mission, and I thought it was really cool that they added that into the game, and kind of, you know, at the end of the game, they kind of start the, is when they start, like, the Assassin's Creed, or, like, when they they start to form that group, you know, Bayek has a little necklace on, it's a little, like, looks like bird skull, and he puts it in the sand, and then when Aya picks it up, uh, it's like, it it has the little Assassin symbol there in the sand that the skull left, but there's a very important historical event that they, they put into the end of the game, which is really cool, and, and, you know, in the, on all the assassinations you do on the, on the important figures in the game, they use like, there's like the use of the feather because obviously with the scales, you know, Anubis, the afterlife and all that, your heart has to be larger than a feather. So in all the assassinations, the, uh, the, the people who die, their heart outweighs the feather. So, you know, they, they don't get to pass on into, you know, the glorious afterlife, but they, they incorporate the feather into the deaths of all these people. And I thought that was a really cool thing that they did, um, but yeah, I've started the DLC. The Hidden Ones finished that. That's more of like a, uh, four years after the main story and just kind of talking more about the formation of the Assassins and the Creed and everything. And it's good. Not quite as interesting as the, Fa- uh, the, the Curse of the Pharaohs, which is the probably one of the coolest DC- DLCs I've ever played. But there's also the Discovery Tour, which basically you go from place to place within the world, you uh, select, like, a tour to do, and essentially you walk from a uh, little highlighted node to highlighted node, and it gives you information on the world of Egypt. It goes, you um, cover all different topics from daily life to the mummies to the, the pharaohs to the, the pyramids. So it's basically, you basically just walk around. There's three t- easy tri- trophies tra- trophies, tried, tie- trophies tied to it, but it gives you a lot of information on Egypt. And it's, it's really cool that they put that into the game because, you know, more so than just a game experience, this is a learning experience, and they put a ton of effort to it, and you can see that not only in the game and how they recreate everything, but also in the Discovery Tour because you are getting to learn a lot about Egypt. You don't have to do it. It's not part of the main story, but you can do it if you want to. And if you just want to learn about certain aspects of Egypt, you don't want to learn everything, but you want to learn about the, the mummies or something, you can just take those tours individually. So it's, it's a really cool experience just being able to uh, plop you into a certain place in the world and then you just go on a guided tour, stop here and there, and listen to, like, uh, you know, a little snippet of audio just like you would in a museum. So super cool. The uh, Curse of the Pharaohs, though, it's it's kind of what I'm, I'm finishing up now. I've beaten the main story part of it, the main quest line, and now I'm just kind of cleaning up stuff around the world. I, I've been really enjoying it. It's more of the uh, Egyptian mythological stuff rather than kind of like the Assassin's-focused stuff. So they have like a mixture of the the ancient Egypt and the Pharaoh stuff of Curse of the Pharaohs and then they have like the more Assassin's Creed focused stuff the further into that story hidden in the hidden ones so a nice melding there I, I can see why they did that but personally I'm, I'm more for Curse of the Pharaohs you know you get to go into the tombs it's where you go to Thebes you get to search around Thebes then you get to go to go to the, uh, the Valley of the Kings you get to go into the tombs of all the different Pharaohs and then from there you get to warp there's like a little uh, kind of bridge where you get to warp into their afterlife and then you get to fight the Pharaohs to send them to, you know, their re- their final resting spot. It's all done very well and as someone who really really likes HD Egypt, it was it was a cool experience to get to see kind of the depiction of each of the different afterlives, fight the pharaohs themselves, you know, as like an enemy within the game and see how they are depicted. So, and of course, you know, within this um, this final DLC, all like the guards and stuff, the Roman guards and whatever and all of Ptolemy's men are replaced by like Anubis like uh, jackal guards and then there's giant like mummy guards for like the heavy guards so just presentation wise and just all the uh, the effort that went into the Curse of the Pharaohs make it one of the best DLCs I've ever played to be honest. It's, it's the best part of Assassin's Creed Origins. Despite how good the main game was it, the, uh, the Curse of the Pharaohs is my favorite part so I've really been enjoying that. So yeah I've just been finishing that up and I got one more trophy to get and I'll be 100% and then I'll probably move on to Cuphead uh, Delicious Last Course DLC to, to get my 100% back in that. Yeah, Curse of, the, Curse of the Pharaohs, if you have Assassin's Creed Origins and you've never played Curse of the Pharaohs, it's a pretty good chunk of content. It'll last you probably between 20 and 30 hours if you do everything, but uh, the whole afterlife aspect of it and getting to fight the Pharaohs is, is phenomenal. So.
1: <coughs> All right, I want to welcome
2: Latin Legacy into the chat. He He's come to see the skill, so
1: we have to step up our game, gentlemen. Uh, he's actually going to be here this time. Since the last time he was here, he wasn't really paying attention because he was doing photo work. Uh... Matt G., what have you been playing, sir?
3: Well, before I, I do that, Alex, quick question. As somebody who up on Assassin's Creed long ago, it sounds like you've been having a great time with the game. And I know you're particularly fond of the Egypt setting. Would be somebody be something somebody who gave up on Assassin's Creed long ago wants to play?
2: So it's, it's funny you ask that because I came from the same place that you were in is that the last Assassin's Creed game, I played the first game, and then I played two, and then I played Brotherhood, and I think Brotherhood is where I ended off. I never played Revelations because, it, I, I, you know, the whole Desmond thing and then ditching Desmond, I kind of gave up on the series then, and of course, you know, by that point, they were doing the yearly iterations of it, and I was like, I I, I got to get off of this because I had played so much in recent years that it's like I got to step away from Assassin's Creed, and to be honest, I just never came back. didn't come back for three, for Black Flag, for Syndicate, for any of them.
1: You got to play Unity.
2: Well, everyone says you got to play Odyssey. Oh, you got to play this. You got to play that. You know, they got the one where there's you know potentially there's one in Asia now. Oh, they're talking about the Aztecs now. Who knows? Rumors flying. Rumors abound. But yeah, I maybe I'll get back to them. But Matt, I I had basically gone away from the series for about ten years, and I always said that Egypt is the one place would bring me back. Now Origins came out in 2017, and I just put off, put it off, put it off, put it off, and then eventually the Gold Edition went on sale for 30 bucks, and I'm like, you know what? It's finally time to jump in. So early this spring, I bought it, started playing through it, and honestly, I I've really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, the setting for me was a huge part, but they have improved the, ge- improved the gameplay a lot. So, I, I would definitely, if, if you, I would say it's a good uh, place to jump back into the series, because again, it is the beginning stories of the Assassin's Creed of the Assassin's, so there wasn't any like, you know, group of like, established group of Assassin's, you kind of see that happen through the game. So it's kind of the beginning of the story, the very, very first game. So if you like Egypt and you want to give Assassin's Creed another shot, I definitely think you could have a good time with it because I, I came from the exact same place as you. Hadn't played the series in a while, and Egypt was the big draw, and I jumped in, and it's going to take you a while. I think all told, before I... After finishing the Hidden Ones and doing the Discovery Tour and the main game, I was about 75 hours in, and then the the Curse of the Pharaohs has probably taken me maybe 15 to 20 or something like that. So if you want to do everything, it's going to be a big time investment, but the world they've recreated is like, it's just one of those worlds you want to go in and you would take pictures everywhere. So I would say that for me, it was the perfect jumping back end point for the series. Now when's the next time I'll play Assassin's Creed game? I don't know. Cause I need a break after playing this game, but I think that if any point you are going to jump back in, this is probably the game.
3: Thanks. I, I have access to it. I just haven't had the motivation because the other ones put me off so Thoroughly, I, I I come back from the first one, the second one. I had access to three and I, I failed to get into that. But having access to Origin, it, it kind of piques my interest. And hearing you talk about it has brought some enthusiasm back to it. So,
2: so let me ask like, your expectations of, of a game set in Egypt, Assassin's Creed game, like, what are some of your expectations you would like to see? I can, if you want, I can kind of tell you whether or not they're in there or not, but. Um, what what kind of from the other Assassin's Creed kind of pushed you away? And I can kind of d- see if it's part of this game or not. if Because they, they they revamped the combat system and they kind of saw this game as kind of a, a way to kind of revamp the series and go forward with that. But kind of like, what do you, what put you off and then like kind of what do you expect when you go to an Assassin's Creed Egypt?
3: So the, the first game, I got put off by the repetitiveness of the three areas you went to. So I stopped that. Number two, there was there were aspects of exploring that were just annoying to me and I remember specifically trying to climb something and falling down like three times in a row and I said oh nope screw it I'm done so to expect something in Egypt I'm wondering how much the stealth gameplay comes into play and that's kind of what has me concerned because I look at the setting and I go there really isn't a lot of space for stealth so but obviously uh, you know better than what I've seen.
2: There is a lot of stealth, I'll tell you that. Now, you're going to get into a lot of fights where it's just one like, head-to-head combat. You're going to be taking down groups of enemies and, you know, stealth will not play a role. But there are large forts in the game, large Roman forts, where you'll be on the outside. You'll go, like, on the across, like, all around the outside barrier of the wall and you'll be taking down enemies and then you'll you'll gradually jump down to the center. And because, like, there are things within the game, like, they have uh, little braziers where... I, I don't know if I said that right. It's not, like... A, uh, a brar, like, uh, bra, like braziers or what it basically... Bra- brazier. Yeah, it's like a, a like a lit signal where if the fort's in trouble, they will light it and then it'll be like a signal, uh, an SOS signal to other people to come help. So you kind of in in those situations if you're not stealthy and if you uh, if, if like there's like some if you like let everyone know you're there essentially if you're found out, there's someone that will run to the bra- the brazier. Now you can set traps there. you can set a trap on the brazier to destroy it when someone tries to light it on fire. So, you know, there is, you can sneak around and, and, you know, do that and help yourself out that way. But if you're not stealthy enough, you will bring more troops to your location. So there is reason to be stealthy. And in a lot of these forts, there are a lot of hiding places. You know, the bales of hay, uh, the, the, like, the, the mounds of, like, leaves and stuff. There are places to hide to where you can be very stealthy and get around. Uh, there's one trophy tied to you have to get ten assassinations in a row without being found out. So they do encourage you to be stealthy, and you know there are lots of towers. Um, there's lots of buildings, so I can see why you think that there's not. Uh, it doesn't facilitate necessarily the the stealthiness of um, that the assassin, assassins would need within their lifestyle. But there is a lot of, of stealthiness that you can um, can do in the game. So if that's a concern, you can do a lot of stealth in the game. You have to be more patient than I was, because a lot of times I would just jump down and run to a fight. But if you're patient. Stealth can be a big part of cool. the game, and Thanks. it does reward you for for being stealthy. So, and as far as like climbing stuff, the only time that I climbed up something a bunch and fell down a lot was the Great Pyramid at Giza. I fell down that quite a bit, but everything else, like they've, it seems like they've made the uh, the climbing a lot better and a lot easier. So that shouldn't be as much of a concern either. So climbing stuff's not nearly as hard. Um, but yeah. Uh, I think as anyone who's a fan of Egypt, you know, the gods, the pharaohs, the history, the, the settings, like the the great library at Alexandria, the, you know, the, the pharaohs, the, the lighthouse of Alexandria, the Great Pyramid of Giza, the Sphinx, like all the different great things you would want to see. Um, I'm trying to think with um, the temple at Karnak, they're all in there. So, like, all the big mainstays in Egypt you will run across, and you will be able to explore them, and in some cases go inside them, and it's a really cool experience, so... You know, they, they, not everything in the Assassin's Creed series has been done for the better because I still think that the best presentation and the best assassinations of, like, the boss characters happens in the very first game. But obviously they had to make um, changes because the game formula in the first game just wasn't that great. So they've definitely made a lot of improvements to make the games a lot more fun. Bigger, you know, and you've got a lot more little tasks to do, but it's not as repetitive as that first game. So I definitely think that um, they've, you know, improved the combat. You know, there's more looting. There's more resource management. The world's bigger. You know, um, there's a lot more mythos to the, especially, you know, when you pick Egypt and, like, Greece, there's a lot more mythos and a lot more mythology you can play with there, you know, other than, like, you know, say, the Third Crusades or something like that. So, uh, or even, like, Italy. So, uh, personally, I I think you would really like the game. Um, But, yeah. I think that a lot of your concerns, I don't think that they would apply to this game. Now you may get frustrated here and there, but specifically I think cool. they've made improvements from those first games that you would still enjoy it or they'd be, it'd be a good place for you to jump back into the series.
1: All right. Uh, some things from the Twitch chat before we move go back to Matt. I uh, want to thank, uh, red, Beard, red Beard Rick for gifting a the gift sub. Also donate 99 bits. Uh, Daryl wanted to know uh, why is it the co-host of the Loop Brothers, Kalai, has more platinum trophies in recent weeks than Tricky? That's because I've been playing the Division Two, and I finally got my last trophy. Uh, and also, welcome Neon Skull to the chat. Uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, he says hi. All right, so Pat- Neon Skull, presents- say what? Sarcastic game. I, I'm sorry I heard Alex and Yield talk at the same time Yield what did you say I said
0: SG represent
1: Neon Skulls from SG Yeah Well welcome I, I didn't recognize the name I apologize And Alex what did you say I was just like what up Neon Skull all right, Matt. You know, I asked you twenty minutes ago what you were playing, but then Alex went on a diatribe about Assassin's Creed. So what what am I? Am I not supposed to answer Matt's question? I could answer. probably
2: do it more succinctly, yes, but I'm trying to answer Matt's question because, like, what am I supposed to do? Be like, I'm not answering that crap.
0: Well, and and to be, and to be honest with you, I think fans enjoy that banter more than some of the other.
1: I, I'm not. I'm not really hating on Alex for doing it. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know. well yeah i'm not yeah, hating, yeah, on it, hating on it but ashley's him. hating on it uh but ashley told me to take it easy on alex because to be fair he hasn't spoken all day because he's been playing assassin's Creed.
2: Uh, she's also been playing stray so we've had our own things to do y- yes
1: uh she said she's playing stray it's a lot of fun she almost feels like she should buy the game anyway all right back to the show matt what have you been playing sir
3: So I put some time into the Alex Kidd in Miracle World Remake, which brings me right back to my childhood. Uh, It was one of the first platforms I ever played, so there was no way I wasn't picking that game up. I also put some time into Vampire Survivors and a similar game called Project Lazarus, which is, they're calling it like a reverse bullet. It's basically just horde mode where You use your left thumbstick, to move your character around, gain XP, and you just auto-attack anything around you. Then I also put some time into a game our friend resident Daryl tested, which is Shapeshifting Detective, which is kind of like a full motion video game. You play a detective that can change into the people you're talking to, to to garner some extra information. So I'm having a good time with that. But the majority of my time has been with the Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak DLC that I've probably put close to 60 to 70 hours since it released at the end of June because I'm a huge into Monster Hunter and that game and that DLC has been everything I've wanted out of the latest in the series. did we lose people?
2: Uh, you didn't know. lose me. I just yeah. I, I think we lost I tricky. Thought, I thought I lost everybody, but but then again, you know, there are times when tricky lets the ball drop, so
1: I'm sorry. I'm doing administrative work over here. You're supposed uh, to be recording a podcast.
3: I just want to make sure I didn't kill well, the conversation what? be like, "Oh god, the guy's talking about Monster Hunter again."
1: No, no, no! I, I, I'm, I was literally turning around because uh, I had to take down my second monitor because I had to put the air conditioner in my house finally. So the chat is actually like partially behind me. I don't know if you guys can see it. It's, no, you guys can't see it. Anyway, I was trying to make sure that uh, Provenbot can ask his stupid questions that Yield loves. Yield, what are you playing, sir? Ah,
0: sit here. Well let me go over here to my PlayStation profiles. So, I have been playing some Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy, which. Jedi Master is freaking hard, but I'm finally to the last level. Um, been working on my awesomeness level in Rayman Legends. Been playing some World of Warship Legends. Played a little bit of Siphon Filter. Played uh, some Rocket League. Some Deep Rock Galactic. Some Church in the Darkness.
1: And
0: think that might be it this week.
1: Alright, and I...
2: It doesn't
0: matter what you're playing! I've been waiting a while to do he that. He
2: just you bad, G! You,
0: you feel better, Yield? I do, I've been waiting a while to do that.
1: <laughs> and you just remembered to do it?
0: No, 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 I've been just kind of waiting for that just moment. And this was the moment.
1: Alright, uh... Now, now Yield, uh, Rick wants to know your thoughts on Siphon Filter.
0: So, I forgot that it wasn't a twin-stick shooter. That, that it was D-pad. So, I'm getting myself reacquainted to the fact that I can't... I have to strafe to turn, so to speak. I just can't turn my guy. Um... Totally, for
1: it's got tank tank controls. You know,
0: in a sense, yes. Okay. Um, I forgot that I had a flashlight, and I was like, "Why is this subway level so hard? I don't remember it being this difficult." Well, I forgot that I had to go into my uh, weapon wheel, so to speak, and find the flashlight. It won't appear if you try to quick select. So now that I know this, it'll be a it'll be a lot easier. I do find it funny that you can stand stand in front of somebody point blank. And they can just be shooting off a shotgun, and it doesn't really hurt.
3: Question. Yeah. Do you, do you? How do you remember a control back in the day? Because when I think of Sifefelter, I thought of groundbreaking controls. I, I wow, this plays so well, and it's so different. And now, like you said, oh my god, wait, I can't do what?
0: Yeah, I I, <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, I was like, wow, wow, this game. Don't quite remember this game being so blocky. I guess is what <laughs> I want to say. But I'm like, I don't care. Story's great. And I'm starting. I'm playing it with my thumbstick. and I'm sitting there and I turn left, and he start or turn right, and he starts strafing right. And I'm like, "What the hell? Why? Why don't you turn?" And I go to the control options, and I'm like, "Uh." Oh, and it shows a picture of a PlayStation One controller, and I'm like, "Oh, that's right. We didn't have thumbsticks on the PlayStation One controller." Wow! I totally forgot. I to play this game.
3: I have this, and, and, and this
1: is. A- this is only impacted by the fact that every year you want a new Cypher Filter game, which makes it seem like this is one of your favorite games of all time, But then you forget something as simple as the controls.
0: Well, yeah, but still, it's still my favorite game. I mean, I'm still not, like, hating on it. I was just like, wow, okay, learning curve, Rick, that's okay.
1: Rick, Rick says, how the fuck did it take so many years to figure out shoulder buttons were for shooting?
3: <laughs> I, I have the same problem when I go back to play Tenchu. They go, oh, man, I was a master at this in the back in the day. Holy shit, I can't play for anything now. The controls are horrible.
1: And also, uh, Yield, uh, Rick wants to give you credit uh, for the uh, It Doesn't Matter, but he's not giving you full credit because he said you were only channeling your inner Mick Foley.
0: Well, yeah, I I got overexcited at the opportunity was there, and I I didn't do it quite justice. I'll I'll get him, Rick. (laughs) Give Give me a few months. Let us blow over. I'll get him.
1: All right, and the only thing I've been playing is the Division Two, and I tried a game today that I don't think that I'm going to be playing. Uh, we got Jumanji free for PlayStation Plus. I don't think I'm going to be playing that game. Although I got to say, the character models do look like the characters
2: for the movie. So,
1: what
2: what, what type of uh, game is, is that? Is it like a is games. it like a is it a board game or is it like an action adventure game, third person? It
1: a third person action adventure, and uh, apparently you can switch to all four characters at any particular time. So. I think, you know what, I, I gotta be fair, I really didn't give it too much of an effort. I just popped it in real quick while I was uh trying to set up the stream and write the, the agenda. And, uh, I might go back and give you a full review, but right now it doesn't seem like something that's too, uh... <coughs> too, uh... Intriguing, uh, Latin legacy. Thank you for the Division Two love. He says Division Two is great if you can get a full crew growing. Boy, if you want to roll with me, I will tear you. I will tear DC and New York up with you. I can't get yield to play the game.
0: You ruined it for me.
1: I did ruin it for you. You never even tried it.
0: Okay, so here we go. Here we go. i was playing a division, and I have to say. As much crap as I gave Tricky about The Division, I finally broke down and bought it years ago, and I was playing through it. And I'm like, you know what? I actually do enjoy this. This is a modern-day shooter that actually fits well for me. So I'm enjoying it. Tricky one night, one to play. I said, all right, let's play some. I've played, you know, a handful of missions. Let's do some. So I joined Tricky's game, which was mistake number one.
1: Well, it didn't matter I, which game we joined. Well, if I joined yours or you joined mine, same thing would that, happen. that's
0: that, that, okay. So anyway, so Tricky jumps in with his level three hundred character, and I'm at I don't know chapter four, and we're kind of playing through the game, and I'm just kidding. I'm a bullet sponge. I'm cannon fodder. You know, Tricky's like, hey, go kill that guy. I'm like, no, because I'm I'm shooting them, and they're I'm like gnats. They're like just swatting my bullets off, you know, and then so. Well, let's go do a story mission. So then he goes and does the story mission that I had next, blows right through and I don't even—I don't even know what happened. And then we're done. And Tricky's like, "Hey, ain't this fun?" And I'm like, "No, it, 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 this is not fun. I haven't touched the game since because okay. now I got to okay. start over."
1: Okay. To be fair, and I've said—I said this to you then, and I said—and I'll repeat it now: every single mission that you have to do. Okay, you're not going to lose the story because you're going to have to rerun that mission several times. The wh- Where I was trying to get you to is I'm trying to get you to level 30, not level 300. <laughs> level 30, which is where you really start loot collecting. That's where I was trying to get you to go because eventually you have to go through the story missions again anyway. So it's not like you lost the story. You just got to get through those. I was playing Division 2 with Daryl the other night and i ran him through two missions and it seems like the balance in, in the division 2 is much better because what they do is in your case all the enemies scaled up to my level. level yeah in the division 2 it scales you up to my level which that the enemies the enemies and you scale up to my level so you're not just a hide behind this wall type thing why I do all the work you could actually do some damage yeah which I think is better
0: well that that would be a lot better
1: yes uh, so we have, might have to get you through the division so you get the story then we'll get to the division two uh, and then you know you could have some real fun and I, I got to give credit and I don't I normally don't do this uh, that much but I've been playing through the New York section of division two a lot it is absolutely amazing how detailed they made New York because the the leg the the warlords of New York expansion pack for the division 2 is based on the lower east side of New York City which is where I work and I can literally like if you tell me we have to go to this place I I don't even use the in-game navigation anymore cuz I just run down the street cuz I know there's a shortcut with an alley that I can get there a lot quicker where the shortcut the 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 guidance tells you the main roads to go. Um, Latin legacy. I don't know how well you know the Lower East Side, but if you play that, um, it it is absolutely detailed, like down to the Staten Island Ferry. Uh, there's a mission called the Tombs, which is actually uh, it's uh, the jail in the Lower East Side that you know they just call it the jail, and only the locals call it the Tombs. So they did that. Uh, you got the two bridges. Um, it's it's so detailed. And if anybody ever comes to New York, I can show you, like, pinpoint. Like, you'll see this, and, like, as you walk in the streets, you'll be like, oh, shit, this is actually, like, how detailed it is in the game. Down to the grass, down to the
2: construction. It's so, it's good, so. I mean, to be fair, the Division is also made by Ubisoft, correct? Yes. And we just and the, we, and, and, we just got talking about talk, done about talking, or got done talking about them and how much effort they put into Assassin's Creed and trying to make it as realistic as possible and recurate those those worlds and those cities as best they can. So it, it's no surprise that they put actually that much effort into real-world places like they can actually go and visit and, you know, recreate that yeah, from experience.
1: I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but, you know, a couple of years when uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral caught fire, you know, it was beyond damage. They are actually used the Assassin's Creed games to reconstruct it because that's how detailed it was. So I, th- I thought that was pretty cool. All right, let's get into our topics uh, cause we are 45 minutes into the show. Alright, so our first topic that we have coming, uh, has made Alex very, very happy. The teen- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cowbunga Collection finally has a release date. You'll be able to play all 13 classic games next month. Uh, the game is coming out on August 30th on the PS5, PS4, Xbox One series Xbox series the PC and Nintendo switch and like I said it was bringing 13 titles from the franchises 8-bit and 16-bit days included beloved stables like turtles in time for the Super Nintendo uh do you
2: guys want a refresher on which games are in the Cowbugger collection I mean you can go ahead and free you know for the people who in new listeners to the show or maybe people who hadn't heard about it go just go ahead rattle them off there's 13 right. games I think so it shouldn't take that long
1: yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the Arcade, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh Turtles of Time from the Arcade, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the NES, uh, Turtles 2, the Arcade Game NES, Turtles 3, the Manhattan Project NES, Turtles in Time, which is Turtles 4 for the SNES, uh, Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist from the Genesis, uh, Turtles, Fall of the Foot Clan from the Game Boy, Turtle: Turtles 2, Back from the Sewers from the Game Boy, Turtles 3, Radical Rescue from the Game Boy. Tournament Fighters from the NES, SCNES, and Genesis. Those are your 13
2: games. Yeah, I wonder what the trophy list is going to be like for this. I wonder. I mean, I guarantee there's like, hey, you get a bronze trophy for beating each game. But I wonder if there's going to be any like, hey, speed run this game or you know whatnot. If it's just going to be basically like play through the games and you get the platinum, whatever. But I will be interested to see what this trophy list is like.
1: All right, Matt, you interested in the Cowabunga collection at all?
3: Yeah, of course. I played many of those games when I was a kid, and I still play some of them now. I mean, I, I every once in a while when I feel like hating myself, I'll go back to the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the NES.
2: You know, Matt, you got to think that, that that game in particular will be much easier because there will probably be checkpoints and save points. And I think there's a rewind feature they've announced for the collection. So, like with the Mega Man Legacy collection, like if you fuck up... Maybe there's a, all right, I'll rewind and, you know, not and bring myself back to life and not die and then retry it again.
3: Yeah, because that water section is going to be, it, it's one small slip up and you could at least hopefully go back just a couple seconds and readjust. I, I feel like that section alone is going to be the most used rewind feature.
2: And I assume they mean the one where you have to diffuse what, the six bombs underwater? Yeah, yeah. underwater. That underwater.
0: Sounds about right. I know yeah, where the, the, the
3: hitboxes
1: on the on the seaweed was like extremely large.
0: I know I beat the game once and thought I was the shit. So
1: I I don't think I've ever beat that game.
2: Uh, all right. Oh, before we move on, we didn't talk about this on last week's show, but it was announced that the uh that Mutant Turtle Shredder's Revenge has surpassed very quickly one million in sales. So even even being on Game Pass, they have gone past a million in sales, which bodes well for anybody who wants some kind of extra content beyond the initial release.
1: Well, that's because ninety percent of the people played it on the PlayStation.
2: You you think that the not many people played on the Switch? I don't know. I was just
1: trying to make a dig at the other consoles, Alex.
2: Why why are you trying to facilitate this fanboy w- war bullshit? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but let's facilitate.
1: Let's facilitate a, a, a fix. Oh, now you're running Final away Fantasy from your 7. joke
2: because you got caught with your pants down.
1: Final Fantasy VII Remake players can't Dude, claim the PlayStation joke. 5 Integrate Bundle via the PlayStation Plus. This is coming from IGN and written by Ryan Leston. A uh, quick fix. A quirk in the PlayStation Store means that those who already own the remake are unable to claim the Final Fantasy VII Remake integrated Bundle, which has just been added to the PlayStation Plus Extra. Integrate, the upgraded PS5 version of Remake, includes a new episode intermission, a spin-off story that features Yuffie as a playable character. Unfortunately, if you already own the play sa- uh, excuse me, if you've already own Final Fantasy VII Remake on the PS5, you're locked out from being able to claim or download the new bundle. Instead, you'll find the following message, quote, You can't buy this product for the following reasons. You already own the following products, which conflict with the project you're trying to buy, which is Final Fantasy VII Remake, end quote. Uh, apparently there is a update to the story, and there is a fix. Sony says they have now appeared to fix the issue affecting the PlayStation 5 users, claiming the integrated bundle of Final Fantasy VII Remake, as reported by VGC, is now possible to claim the package, even if you previously owned the PlayStation 5 version. Should you do so, and already had the game installed, your console should download the Intermission DLC. So just download the Intermission DLC. So, uh, I wanted to report the, you know, the, the quirk because this was apparently a quirk uh with this game back when they released the PlayStation five version of the game and there was a fix and I know people are, are complaining on the internet about this, so if you've had this problem and just give it up, according to Sony, uh as of three days ago of this recording, uh it has been fixed. Uh Yield I, I don't know if, I know Homer's big into Final Fantasy Seven. Are did you play this at all? Or no. Yeah.
0: No, I try. I, I, I tried to because I liked the. I played some of the Final Fantasies on the SNES and enjoyed them, you, you know, immensely. That that was probably where my uh, JRPG stuff died. <coughs> I was watching him play uh, Final Fantasy VII on the PS One, and I enjoyed watching him play it. But I was also watching him go into the sub menu, and I forget what they called it. It wasn't the. The magic. I don't know if it was magi or whatever, but you know he was sitting there crafting or rearranging or something, and I'm just like, "You mean mana? I don't think it was mana. I forget. He'll he'll hear this and then he'll school me on it.
1: Um, but or he'll post a, make a post in the in the Trophy House Facebook group, which you should join by the way if you listen to the show.
0: Wow, what a shameless plug.
1: Um,
0: Mick Foley would be so proud of you. So. um... <laughs> yeah, I got totally dirty. right here so we,
1: at Trophy Horse we were.
0: I was watching him do all this and it, it almost felt like it was a game within a game and I'm just like wow you gotta do all that and he's like well yeah I did it for your magic spells and stuff like that and I was like you know what I'll just enjoy watching you play because that was just a level of gaming that I did not want to go to at that time so I just enjoyed what little bit of it I watched him play
1: Uh, Rick says the remake can fuck off. It's good, but it's not a Final Fantasy VII game.
0: I we're, uh, we're, that, I I've heard my brother. We're not going to go down that path. Well, no, no. I I've heard my brother say that that it's just it doesn't have the same feels or something like that. But yeah, he's not overly. Isn't it basically it the
1: same as that game? Huh? Just with better graphics and better
2: controls.
0: I you'd have to ask someone who's played it.
2: You know, when I, Rick I, I, is on next time, we can let Rick. We've God knows we've given Tricky enough time to explain why he thinks Breath of the Wild is not a Zelda game, so we can surely give Rick some time to explain why he doesn't, why he thinks this doesn't feel like a Final Fantasy game.
1: Uh, I don't know what you just said that uh, affected Rick, but Rick says uh, you cracked him up. It's like Crisis Core. Was it something Yield said?
2: Yeah, he said Yield. You cracked me up. Awesome. I don't know. Which I, 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 don't, I don't know up. what
0: I did either. So,
2: see, Tr- Tricky's trying to tell all these jokes to get some laugh, and then Yield just beat himself in natural conversation. And he's killing Rick. He's throwing out knee slappers there.
1: Coming from Cat Bailey over at IGN, the Last of Us remake, permadeath mode has been revealed alongside a host of other improvements. Uh, Yield, I know you're not a big fan of this, but I wish you would go watch the video that shows the update and graphics because it's absolutely astonishing.
0: Well, I'm sure it is, but this, like I said, this is quickly becoming Grand Theft Auto, Skyrim, insert game that we're going to put on every generation of console.
1: All right, But so I we will have say that
0: when this comes to PlayStation Plus, I will probably pick it up because now I don't have to get, finally get my Platinum in Last of Us because now I don't have to go through the multiplayer.
1: Alright, before we go on with the story, uh, first clarification, Latin Legacy says the original Final Fantasy 7 wasn't even that good damn thing needed like 20 side games just to make sense of the damn story and rick says what made you crack up is your uh mick foley references the cheap plugs right here in louisville kentucky uh latin legacy says it was okay due to the depth and great soundtrack all right back to the last of us Uh, In the wake of the reveal of The Last of Us Part 1, a full remake of the original 2012 release for PlayStation 3, there were plenty of questions about how much would actually change, but based on a new video released by Naughty Dog, which I want you to go watch Yield, uh, the answer is plenty. The Last of Us director, Neil Druckmann, among those taking center stage to outline some of the biggest enhancements to the beloved classic. From graphical enhancements to improvements to accessibility, the team also outlined a host of new features, which include a new permadeath mode, a speed run mode where players can time their runs, unlockable costumes for Joel and Ellie, an enhanced photo mode, and a model viewer mode. On top of the big changes to AI graphics and controls with aim enhance of The Last of Us at pretty much every level. For instance, the remake will utilize the dual senses haptic uh, to add tension as Ellie draws the bowstring or to enhance the tactile feel of Joel and Ellie petting a giraffe. Naughty Dog hopes that these changes will make The Last of Us remake as Druckmann puts it, quote, extremely better, end quote, than the original game. Uh, Yield, I will let you go first, sir.
0: What, what 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 am I going first
1: for? Uh, well, you're the biggest, uh, excuse the phrase, poo-pooer on the idea of this game being remade again. Uh, what do you think about what, what was said? And I, you probably haven't watched the video yet, have no, you? No,
0: I'll wait till we're done because it's a ten-minute video. Okay. Uh, uh what, what, what do I think? Gas uh, <clears> grab. <throat> <throat> uh, uh, had something in my throat.
1: Uh, also in the article it says not you don't insist this is not a cash grab
0: if you have to say it it probably is
1: Matt what, what's your thoughts on this
3: I'm I'm with Yeldon this this is just so silly that they're re- remaking this so soon compare it to what they're doing with Dead Space Dead Space at least they're they're doing some major improvements to it because that game came out so long ago but Last of Us, like, it, especially with the Sony tax of being $70, sorry, I'm not paying that for a game I played within the last decade. I, mean, right, I, mean, I mean, also
0: tricky. I mean, oh, as, as much as you're oon and on over this, what if this ends up being like when Lucas went back and dorked with the original trilogy because uh, technology finally got to what he wanted to do on the original trilogy? What if this just isn't right because they wanted to dork with it because the technology is where they wanted it for when they made this game?
1: Okay, the difference between... Okay, obviously this game's not out yet, so I can't confirm this. But I would say this is different because Lucas went back and retconned a bunch of stuff. Uh, in, In the remake, it started the whole who shot first... Uh, was it Greedo or Han? Uh, a lot of people that watched the original say it was Han. A lot of people that watched the remake say it was Greedo. Uh, they put uh, Jabba the Hutt in... Was it Yeah. A
2: New Hope? Yeah, yeah. he was talking to... At one of the Space Sports, he was talking to Han Solo, and Han Solo was explaining to him that, you know, it's like, oh, I'll pay you, I got you, I got you. Looked terrible.
0: Yeah, it, it looked bad. Uh,
1: uh, the And the worst thing that I think they did was put... Uh, Hayden Christensen at the end of Jedi to replace the original actor to play Darth Vader. Uh, David just David Prowse because of, is that was that was his name? I don't remember
2: his name. His last name was Prowse. I'm pretty sure it's David Prowse.
1: Uh
2: yeah, but they updated the
1: hol- the the hologram at the end to reflect you know the the prequels to to the point where Anakin
2: Skywalker died supposedly to where Darth Vader killed Anakin Skywalker. So when Hayden Christensen was that age, the the idea was that that's when Anakin died.
1: Yeah. yeah so, but I. From what I hear, they're not changing the story. They're just updating the graphics and the, the controls and uh, the visuals and all that stuff. So I, I don't, I don't, I get your point, but I don't think that's what we have here.
0: Well, neither do I, but I'm just saying there is that possibility.
1: Absolutely, there is that but possibility.
0: That's all. The-
3: but guys, guys, you can feel what it feels like to pet a giraffe now. Oh,
0: I know that's what I want to do. That's why I want to rebuy it right there.
1: Listen, I paid my $70. I pre-ordered this. I will let you guys know how it is. Even though, Yield, I know when it comes to you, you're not going to care. You're just going to say...
3: You're part of the problem, Tricky.
1: Absolutely. This is my favorite game of all time. So, yeah, I'm going to support say, it. Hey, I, Alex- I,
0: I love it, too. I love Uncharted. They can make an Uncharted right now for the five, and I'll be like, I'm not picking it up until it goes to the bargain bin because I've already played it.
2: Alex, what are your thoughts, sir? So, I mean, am I going to spend the money right away to play this? Probably not. Will I pick it up at some point? When, you know, maybe when it's on sale or whatnot, or maybe when it comes to PlayStation Plus? Sure. Uh, but, you know, contrary to what Matt and Ben think, like, I, I don't have a problem with it being made. Again, my stance on this is if you can make money off it and you can pour that money back into the Sony ecosystem and, 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 and reinvest in other games you're making and in other studios, go right the hell ahead. Um, it's, a, it's a safer project than, say, a new IP, so I can understand why they would want to do it because you've got a built-in base that's probably going to play it. Eat people who never played it, but also people who wanted to play it again. It's a game series that's won Game of the Year numerous times, and people love it. It's, it's one of people's favorite game series to come from Sony a long time. So, yeah, it's easy money. And if it does make them money and they can reinvest that, I don't really care if they put it out there because they're still making a All ton right. of other games.
1: Some comments from the chat. Rick and Latin Legacy both say this is a cash grab. Latin Legacy uh, saying something that's a a hot take. He says this is a cash grab of Nintendo level and that's saying something. Ooh. Ooh. And then Rick says he'd rather have more Uncharted than The Last of Us. Uh, As long as Amy Hennig
0: is involved. Uh, Yes, I agree
1: uh Amy Hennig's not going back to Uncharted. Well, I know that, but Wars I know now.
0: that, but that's that's the Uncharted I like. Like I said, I I love the setting for 4, but it felt too much like I was playing The Last of Us than Uncharted.
2: Fair enough. Yeah, I was going to say Amy right. Hennig was the last project she was on was on the second one, right?
1: Third. No, she did 3. Oh, okay. I I couldn't she, remember she when left, she left. She, she she left mid-development of 4 and then Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley took over And uh, basically, rewrote the story. Yeah. So, all right. Next story we have coming from Adam Bankhurst over at IGN PlayStation has acquired esports platform Repeat.gg. Repeat.gg is one of the biggest esports tournament platforms in the world, and it helps users to compete uh, for cash prizes across online games. Furthermore, it organizes asynchronous esports tournaments that allow players to compete in games even if they aren't online at the same time. the company can keep track of the players' in-game statistics and will award them based on their performance. Repeat.gg shared the news in a news blog, saying it, it has always focused on esports for everyone and doesn't plan on stopping that mission anytime soon. So, why did it agree to an acquisition? "Quote: We will have access to more resources, game titles, and technology, which will allow us to grow the team to re- grow the team to push Repeat in directions that we never thought would be possible." This will allow us to grow repeat significantly over the next couple years with plenty of new features, continuing our mission to become synonymous with esports by creating a home where everyone has a chance to compete and win. Uh, I'm going to stop the article there. Matt, I don't know if you're big into esports or how this would affect you, but I'm going to let you open the floor on this conversation. It
3: it doesn't affect me at all. My interaction with esports goes as deep as when I see that uh, ESPN2 has esports on i like watching them when i can but i'm not dedicated to any individual game or 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 uh, group like you repeat gg this is news to me i don't know who this group is
1: yeah to be honest i didn't know who they were either uh but i took a shot that maybe you were into esports alex and i know you're not into esports so no, i don't
2: know if you guys want to no, comment on this no
0: i had no idea who these people were
2: I mean, let's be real. It, It's the uh, the very, like, root of toxicity in video games is rooted in that kind of shit. The eSports, like... I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be, but, like, the kind of people that are into eSports, like, that's kind of the the what I see as, like, the super competitive, super toxic part of the gaming community where it's like you go into Rocket League and you play multiplayer matches and people are just being assholes about shit. So, I mean... And you've seen, like on, you know, some of the uh, the videos from people who play competitive gaming and just see how people react when they lose. And so I so why the fuck do I want to deal with that? Why do I want to play with a bunch of random strangers when people are going to be salty assholes about stuff? So I'm completely turned off by eSports. And, and first of all, I don't think it's a sport. Um, it's, yeah, I, that's a different conversation. But uh, I, I just, there's zero desire for me to watch other people play competitive games. And I just, like... I think that all the toxicity rooted in video games lies in that competitive aspect of video games.
1: All right. Moving on. Moving on. Rebecca, Val- Rebecca Valentine from IGN says Ubisoft has officially stopped development on Ghost Recon Frontline. Not only is Ubisoft delaying Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, and another unannounced game, but it apparently has flat out canceled four whole titles in an attempt to cut costs and focus on bigger names. Among those canceled games are both Ghost, Line, Ghost Recon Frontline and Splinter Cell VR. Ghost Recon Frontline's cancellation is a bit surprising given that the game wasn't even actually out yet. It was first announced back in October as a free-to-play Battle Royale spinoff with 102 player battles. Initial reception was fairly negative, though, and a planned closed test of the game was indefinitely postponed. Now it seems like we'll never see it again. Splinter Cell VR is a little bit less shocking. It was first announced back in 2020, alongside Assassin's Creed VR game that hasn't been heard from since the Assassin's Creed game still seems to a game still seems to exist according to some leaked menu menu footage from this past April that indicated that it would be called a Nexus and was coming to the Quest 2. Meanwhile, two other unannounced games have been completely cancelled according to the CFO who said that all four cancellations were part of the company's wider strategy of putting, quote, even more focus on our biggest development opportunities, end quote. For Splinter Cell fans, that leaves just the announced Splinter Cell Remake in development at Ubisoft Toronto. Cancellations aside, Ubisoft has been a major culprit of game delays lately, including Prince of Persia Remake, Roller Champions, which did make it out earlier this year, and Skull of Bones, hopefully out this fall. They aren't alone, though. 2020 has been a massive year for delays in part to the delayed impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on production. Now, before I go to your comments, there's up. There's another part of this article uh, written by Amelia Zollner. Uh, yesterday, Ubisoft announced its delay has a smaller unannounced premium game. Though the title of the game was unknown, a source has now revealed that this game was actually Rift, a codename for the upcoming Assassin's Creed title. According to a report by Bloomberg, Assassin's Creed Rift was delayed from February to May or June because development was running behind schedule. Rift was originally planned as an expansion to the 2020 title Assassin's Creed Valhalla, though the project became a standalone game in late 2021 to add to the company's thin release schedule. Not much is known about the game and is reportedly set in the Middle East and features a smaller scope with a focus on stealth gameplay. So, gentlemen, I will open the floor to you. Alex, uh, I know you are playing Assassin's Creed currently. You say that you're probably going to stop at Origins and not move forward for quite a while. Does the idea of being in the Middle East with Assassin's Creed intrigue you at all?
2: Well, I mean, the first game was in the Holy Lands. You went to, uh, you know... Acre, Jerusalem, Damascus, Masayef. So they had kind of already touched on that area. And, you know, with the the theories that they were going to do something in Asia, rumors about the Aztecs, I don't know. I think going back to the Middle East would be kind of a disservice to where else they could go. You know, I understand that the first Assassin's Creed had some good aspects to it but wasn't super well received because of the gameplay, as Matt mentioned, the repetitiveness of it. And I just think it's kind of... There are other places you could go, so if that is where they choose to go, I probably won't play it again because i got my hopes up that maybe it's going to be the Aztecs, and, well, if you're not going to go there, then, eh, I'll, I'll let other people play it. But we had talked about a couple of weeks ago or within the last few months about how Ubisoft had not performed as well lately as they would expected and how Yves Gamont, their CEO, was taking a pay cut uh, based on, you know, the company's performance. And, you know, here we have some... some uh, Projects being canceled in order for them to save money, which makes sense. But I am shocked that none of these games being canceled is Beyond Good and Evil 2, because I'm sorry. Uh, I know people want to play Beyond Good and Evil 2, and I hope it comes out for the sake of those people, but that game, is it was a cult hit, and I don't think it's going to sell that well. It's not going to make them a ton of money, so I'm shocked that game's going to come out. I'm I'm surprised they haven't canceled it yet. But uh, Matt, what are, what are your thoughts? I uh,
3: You went exactly where I was thinking that... They're they're delaying unannounced or canceling unannounced games. Delaying the Assassin's Creed and, and the Assassin's Creed went from a yearly franchise to now they're gonna release it. You know, I think every two years, and so this is a delay off game that they've already put off their their normal schedule. So that interesting first and foremost. But then yeah, Alex, like Beyond Good and Evil too. I remember seeing the full motion video from E3 a number of years ago where I forget their names. Which is amazing! Yeah, it, it's their, their, the female and the male hosts who they forgot to turn off their mics when they went to the backstage and you could hear her going, oh, we did it! Like they were so proud of their full motion video that they did with, with nothing to gameplay. And that was, oh God, I can't even remember But, like, why? Why are you gonna... I think it was 2018. Yeah, why are you gonna bring this game out? You're not gonna do anything with it. It's not gonna be what people want, and it's gonna be the Duke Nukem Forever of Beyond Good and Evil 2.
2: Well, and, like, you look at some of the games they're putting out, and, you know, I'm glad that, that, you know, whenever you hear about a game coming out, you know, you want to see it come to fruition, even if you're not interested. So I'm glad that they are coming out with Skull and Bones, and I'm glad that they're gonna come out with Beyond Good and Evil 2. They're still committed to it. But... Financially, are those the kind of games they need to be putting out? Because again, it seems like at the beginning, Skull and Bones was kind of half baked as far as what they wanted to do with it. And beyond Good and Evil Two, again, Cold classic, you're going to get some make some people happy, but not a lot. So those aren't going to help your financials. I mean, we'll see how Skull and Bones does, but yield your your thoughts on them delaying a bunch of games and you know their their performance not being where they want. Um, yeah, what, what what do you think, especially in terms of like? Skull and Bones, and, and all this.
0: So, cancelling games that never got announced, I don't really get concerned about, because I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that, you know, that this game was something I would be interested in. Um, the It's interesting about this Assassin's Creed game, because it was supposed to be rumored to be DLC for Valhalla, and now we're going to make it into its own game. Uh, track record-wise... That doesn't really work out.
1: Especially with them, because look at Skull of Bones, which is an offshoot of Black Flag.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see how that turns out. Um, But, uh, something that could work in their favor is the fact that they're not rushing it. They can build some depth into it, possibly, but that kind of gives, I don't know, it just... When I hear it, well, it was supposed to be DLC, but we decided to make a game out of it. That kind of concerns me, and I, I don't know why. Red, red, red flags go up. The whole skull and bones thing. I now this is this is a, this is an opinion coming from a guy that hasn't played any of the Assassin's Creeds. I just watched some of Black Flag and loved the naval aspect of it. You know, originally I loved what I saw at the E3 trailer. You know, it was enough for me to go, I'll, "I'll give me a give me a release date, I'll pre-order it." And then you've delayed it. Okay, I'm off. I'm okay with delays. You're making the game better. And then <sighs> we totally do a 180 and change. And then now you hear stuff stuff on the internet that, well, oh, this game doesn't really have a lot of meat to it." And that's why i'm I, i'm kind of glad i signed up to be uh like like a beta tester so to speak you know yeah i'll play this game early to see if i like it because you now i mean i like pirate stuff i like world war i'll, I'll play bad world war 2 games but i i want a halfway decent pirate game you know i remember playing age of booty on the playstation 3 and thought that was absolutely cool i would like a in a nutshell, a sea of thieves for PlayStation. Not the exact same thing, but you get what I'm saying. A pirate-esque type game, and I love the fact that they said they're going darker. Cool. Make make games for your your more mature audience. I'm okay with that. I, I would like a you know I like the darker, grittier games. It makes it feel more real, as I use my air quotations here, but.
2: Well, um, and, and, oh, go ahead. sorry, yelled. I thought you no, were... No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, like, so the naval combat they have in the Assassin's Creed games, because there is some of that in Assassin's Creed Origins, you can look forward to that, Matt, if you, if you end up playing Origins. It is fun, it is a nice diversion, and it is a, a nice bit of variety from the rest of the game, but it's not super deep. Fun, but it's not deep, so how they decided to spin that off into a full game, I don't really know. I mean, I'm sure we'll see how it plays out. It's, an, it, it, it's a good base to work from, but the gameplay itself is is, is pretty shallow, so where they got the idea to, to pull it into its own thing is, you know, it, it, it's probably why we didn't hear about this game for a long, long time. But asking all of you guys, is Ubisoft really putting out games that are moving the needle, so to speak? I mean, are, are, they, are the games they're putting out, like, are they really the big, big hits they need? Because it seems like while they're putting out some good games are they the big sellers that Ubisoft really needs?
1: Well, let me me answer that because... uh, Let me first answer that because it's weird because I would say, internally, I would say Naughty Dog is my favorite developer. Oh, you'll you'll take a bullet
2: for Naughty Dog. We know
1: that. But if you look at the games I play, a lot of them are Ubisoft games. I mean, obviously, I'm uh, very... Deep into the Division Two. Assassin's Creed, I played every Assassin's Creed game. Uh I'm looking forward to the Splinter Cell game. Hell, they even made Uno when I play that. You know, they make a lot of games that I want to play. So I don't know. I like
0: I, I was gonna say something along the lines of, of of that tricky that they don't make a lot of Big splash blockbusters, you know, your Uncharted's, your
1: but they make games that people want to play. Saint
0: Rose. Yeah, but they tend to make games that people want to play. They tend to do uh well with your big immersive maps, you know. Far Cry does well, um the Ghost Recon games since Wildlands and uh what was
3: what was the one after Wildlands? frontiers no uh oh oh. no
0: star i thought i started with breakpoint 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 Breakpoint. 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 you know those were very well breakpoint it took some patches but eventually you know well received so it's it's like they're a big developer but they're low-key in the sense of they make a lot of who i i i'm saying this right they make a lot of hoopla about their games but you wouldn't consider them, like, you You wouldn't consider Wildlands, like, in the same category as as The Last of Us, or, you know, so I, I just, I don't know, yeah. Like, I, I, Yo, I, I'm me- the same way. I've got a lot of Ubisoft titles in my library.
1: Yo, let me ask you this, and let me see if this is a fair statement to make. Would you say that Ubisoft is more for the casual audience, where... Uh, developers like Naughty Dog are more for the hardcore audience?
0: Well, I would say Naughty Dog is more of your your storytellers. Your... I don't know if I want to use immersive, but those type of stories that draw you in. Where, yeah, Ubisoft is more of like a casual, a pick-up-and-play type gamer. Whereas if you want to feel your game, you know, and be invested in your story then you're going to go with, like, a Naughty Dog. Is that,
1: is uh, that fair? Yeah. Uh, Rick in the chat says, the last one was, is great, but uh, he only wants to play it once. That's honestly the way I felt, it too. I mean, I no, that's
2: the reason why I, I got the
0: platinum. I, I, I 100% agree with that, because I played the first one, and I don't ever care if I play number two.
2: Well, also, those games take nah. such a huge emotional toll, I can understand why people... I never want to play number two again. Never. So if they ever come out with a remake, <clears throat> I will never play that again. But... With Ubisoft, you know, we talk about, you know, people in the chat and, you know, Matt and Yield have said, don't make a remake of The Last of Us. We don't want to play it. we played it too recently. At least, you know, PlayStation and Sony, they're putting out a lot of like new IPs. Like every generation, they've got new IPs. Is Isn't Ubisoft just kind of relying on sequels to games they've already, like to the IPs they created years and years ago? Like what are the new games they're putting out?
0: Fair point, uh, Matt. Matt, uh, I'll let I, you. Uh, like, I'm as, as we're d- <laughs> discussing this,
3: I'm pulling up my Ubisoft Connect to look at all the games I have, and it's literally Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Division, Rainbow Six, Watch Dogs. Like, it, it's these are the the series that have been coming out for years now, and they're just churning and burning everything that's going on. Now, I massively enjoyed my time with Far Cry Three, Far Cry Four, Far Cry Five. And I'm, I'm not having a lot of fun with Far Cry 6. I, I kind of put it on the side burner for a while. But, you know, asking what games are actually out, what are their new IPs, like we mentioned it earlier, Beyond Good and Evil, It's even then it's a sequel that they're trying to bring out. But Skull and Bones really one of the f- yeah. first things in a long time that I'm seeing Ubisoft try to come out with. But even then, that's something that they've done before to a lesser degree, in Black Flag, and from what Alex is saying in Origins, and even then, it's Black already flag. kind of been done right. with Microsoft Sea of Thieves. So, what are they going to try to come out with? There hasn't been a Trials game in a while, and those were fun. But I'm just—I
1: thought they—I thought they released a the Trials game not too long ago. Or was that a remake? I—I I don't even see anything out here. I—I I could be 100% wrong on that. But also don't forget that Ubisoft is behind one of the biggest franchises ever, and that's just dance. I mean, I don't none of us are gonna play Just Dance. But, a, I mean, but again,
0: they do they do sequels of them. I I get what Matt's saying, and I agree with them. You know, Skull I, and Bones I, I don't Skull and Bones either. is the closest thing that they have in let's say the last I'll, I'll go ten, I'll probably say for what, five, but I'll say the last ten years of of a new IP, in like Matt said, but it's a, a borrowed new IP. So they're they're not necessarily pushing their uh, developers, not the right? But the the gaming industry, you know, like like Hello Games did, even though it, it flopped in the beginning, and and teams like that or developers like that that go, let's do this, you know, sink or swim, we're going to go here. Ubisoft isn't really doing that. Now, they're making money, so it's working, but Matt's right. They're they're not doing anything new.
2: Well, and here's the thing that might be killing them, is that because they're relying on so many sequels, like, yeah, you've got a built-in audience, like, Tricky's gonna buy every Division game. There is. But if you don't like Ghost Recon, or you don't like Assassin's Creed, or you don't like The Division, you're not gonna buy any of their games. So... I, I... I just Googled Ubisoft games just to see, like,
1: uh, there's titles that we're forgetting. Uh, obviously, we've mentioned Assassin's Creed. We've mentioned uh, Rainbow Six Siege, Far Cry Six, uh, Riders Republic, The Division, Watchdogs, Skull and Bones, Immortals, Phoenix, Rising.
0: I haven't played that yet. That, it I, that's is a wonderful
3: game. I loved every moment of uh, it.
0: So so right there. So right there, I'm 100% wrong when I said 10 years because they did Immortals Future Rising. That was but a to even
3: that, sorry so, to interrupt, but uh, even to that point, and it's it, basically Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild set with Greek background.
1: Uh, you also have Avatars Frontiers of Justice, which they're also making now. Uh, Rocksmith, which came out in 2011. Uh, you got For Honor, which was a 2017 uh, you got Mar- Mario and rabbits uh, that they got another game coming out this year but they also had another one X Defiant which is basically all the Tom Clancy characters in a uh, shooter you know an arena shooter uh child of light uh, let's see if there's anything else in here uh, and everything else is just basically uh Charles Rising was 2019 that's the first Charles game I saw. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was the first Trials game I saw. Uh, and that seems to be it within, uh, the recent things. Uh, there's something called Anno 1800.
3: Yeah, the Anno series city building.
1: That sounds kind of th- familiar. Uh, okay. I, d- I d- didn't know what that was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, to the point where the, the games that we know by Ubisoft are basically... Uh, sequels upon sequels, but this also brings up the question <coughs> excuse me, or it brings up the debate how many times have us as hosts or people that we've seen talking on online how many people say to somebody go make a new IP and that's what we, uh, we say but then you have the same amount of people that are saying no, give me a sequel to this game because I loved it so much so where do you draw the line? Like Ubisoft has, I think, six studios, seven studios. They And they all got to be pumping out games. I mean, where where do you, Yield, you know, I'll go to you first. Where do you draw the line com- compared to making a sequel to the game that, you know, is beloved and people want more of it to where do you make a new IP and take a risk? So I
0: guess in, into that, you could make an argument. I, I'm not going to make it, but I can see where the argument can be made that every Far Cry game, except in the instance of New Dawn, is in an, in and of itself a new game. They just carry the same title because they're not really connected to the next one. It's just kind of the same gameplay, you know, first first person shoot, first person shooter, yada yada yada. Uh I always applaud developers for doing something new because if you don't do something new, you don't in my opinion, you don't push the industry and you don't push creative thought in a sense, because where you succeed or fail, somebody else could go, Hey, I like that I or like let's say you fail. You push a new IP, it failed horribly. There's going to be someone somewhere, even if they're not a developer yet, but eventually you're working your way to that, could go, you know what? I like this concept. I like where they were going. I like this or that from it. And they'll, and they'll build a game from that or that thought process. So that's why I always applaud them for doing new. But I am just as guilty on games that I really like going, hey, I want a sequel. Now, I will say, like in the Far Cry instance, I wait until the next one I see footage or anything before I go. Okay, that looks like fun. I guess I'll play it. So, I don't know if that really answered your question or not. It, it
1: kind of did. Okay, uh, comment from Rick in the chat. He says, "Ubisoft are the crop on a farm game where it costs seventy-five k to make, but you make ninety k, and it only takes two days to grow." Sounds like a fair analogy. All right, Matt G. Uh, where do you, uh, where do you fall on the uh, make a new IP or just make a new sequel conversation?
3: So this is where I feel really guilty because I, I've already expressed how much I love Immortals: Phoenix rising, but I bought that game for $15 on a black Friday sale uh, a year or two ago. And after I finally played it, I said, oh, damn, I should have actually pulled, paid full price for this because that's how much I love that game. But in today's world, not everybody can afford to pick up every single game that comes out. I, I feel, listen, I want them to make new IPs, but I also want them to make sequels of games that we love. But the problem came when they started churning out new games every year. A new Assassin's Creed, they were following the Call of Duty model. And we see how much that stagnates the series. Sometimes you get a large leap forward like a Assassin's Creed Origins or an Odyssey. But sometimes you get a Assassin's Creed Brotherhood or Assassin's Creed 3. And when you're forcing your teams to churn something out every year because you need to meet your financial quarterly metrics, you're going to stagnate a series and you're going to run a series dry. So you need to have teams that can work on new projects as well as teams who don't need to be forced to come out with something on a yearly or even bi-yearly basis.
2: All right, Alex. Yeah, I mean, I, your portfolio as far as being a game maker, you need to have sequels and you need to have new IP. There, there needs to be a mix of that. And you, companies like Nintendo's really guilty of. You know, they put out, you know, um, Arms. They put out Splatoon. They've got, they've come out with more new IP recently, but. They're a company that's relied heavily on sequels, and you've got Ubisoft, which, despite the fact that people give Activision and EA a lot of crap for relying on games year after year, Ubisoft kind of does the same thing too. So, I think in, uh, I want to focus on on Sony in particular because obviously we on a PlayStation podcast and we play a lot of Sony made games. But Sony, you know, they're now big enough with all the studios they bought where they can have you know companies like Gorilla make a new IP. Like Horizon, and then for maybe two console generations, make a trilogy of those games, and you can have another studio, you know, do the same thing with like a Last of Us, like Naughty Dog is doing, and you can have Sucker Punch make Ghost of Shima, and then for two generations, you've got a, a trilogy there. But then you also have other studios like Housemark and Blue Point, where they can make one-off games, like maybe Returnal is going to be a one-off game where they can make the new IPs with every game that they make. Or, you know, maybe they'll make a sequel every now and again. But they, they're a big enough studio where they can rely on the biggest studios they have, the Sony Santa Monica's, the Polyphonies, which Polyphonies is always going to be Gran Turismo. That's all they're ever going to do. Kind of like Turn 10 is always going to be the Forza studio for Microsoft. But they've got enough studios now where they can have the big one, the big dogs, where they create the new IP that becomes uh, a franchise and a three-game arc, or, you know, who knows, maybe more of that, and then the other smaller studios that maybe work on the one-off games. So there's, I don't know what the mix necessarily is, but you've got to have both sequels and new IPs, because people are, yes, people are going to, if they invest that much time into a world like Horizon, they're going to want to play more of it, and you're going to want to turn that into a TV or a movie or what have you. But then there are also games like Returnal, where I played it once and I'm fine if they never put out a sequel because the first game was good enough, and it was more about the action and the gameplay than it was about the story, even though, yeah, there was a story there as well. So Sony's a studio that can handle that now, and I, I guess I should say a publisher, not a studio. But I think that everyone from Ubisoft to, to Microsoft Microsoft to Sony to Nintendo to EA to Activision, Activision probably going to be part of Microsoft soon, they need to have a mix of both. What the mix is, I don't know. What the percentage, the ratio is, I'm not sure, but you got to have both. So sequels aren't a bad thing. There definitely can be a good thing, but you also got to have new IP in there. And I feel like Ubisoft, their their content doesn't feel fresh. You know, they did have Immortals: Phoenix Rising, which Matt played, and which we've heard nothing but good things about. Tricky played it as well, which I mean, that's great. But overall, when you look at their portfolio, it just feels stale. Like, and just the perception that that we had. I mean, we all had trouble thinking of Immortals: Phoenix Rising when we had the question of what were their new IPs, and if you're if regardless of whether you're putting out new IPs or not if the if the people who are buying games see your see your name and think well they're just putting out sequels again and again that perception then is damaging to your company because whether or not you're putting out new IPs or not that means we can't re- they're not memorable or we just don't think of them which is damaging to your company there so i think ubisoft needs somewhat of a refresh to their brand and you know sure they've refreshed assassins creed and they've they put time in to, to make their current IPs better but they need to inject some life into their portfolio. So, Because as much as I liked Origins, I'm not going to buy it and play every Assassin's Creed game, even if they're coming out every two years. So there's something that they need to do to get something new in there and uh, just kind of liven things up. Because it feels like they're just selling games to the same people every single year.
1: Well, I mean, the argument, the argument can be made also with Activision. I mean, Activision only makes Call of Duty now. They, they got three development studios that are cycling their games every year. I can't, honestly, I can't sit here and tell you, without looking it up, another game that Activision has made in the last 10-15 years.
2: Recently? Well, I mean, they did the the Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time. I mean, they did, like, Crash Nitro Kart, they did the Insane Trilogy, they did the Spyro Reignited Trilogy. Yeah, but those were all remakes. I'm talking about new IPs. Okay, well, Crash 4 was not a new IP. It was not a new IP, but it was also a sequel, what, 20-plus years in the making, so... That is something not quite a, uh, not quite a, somewhere between a sequel and a new IP, I would say. But I get what you're saying. I'm not letting right. Activision off the hook because they're one of the worst offenders. I also just think that Ubisoft doesn't get enough slack for what they do as well.
1: All right, Matt, you but, look like you're so, you looking up some Activision games. So,
2: so <laughs> in, in, in no, so
0: in that thought process, Alex, and I agree with what you're saying. You're right; they don't. But would you, but would you agree that Ubisoft is doing something right because they're 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 doing what Activision does, but they're not getting the flack.
2: Well, so, they, they just had to cancel it, four it, non- unannounced games, delay the next Assassin's Creed, and their CEO had to take a pay cut. Which I mean, he should well, have. I,
0: I, and I, I mean, as in they're they're going with the same formula in in a broad sense, but yet we as gamers don't necessarily seem to think. Ubisoft on the same terms as Activision so so I guess I'm trying to say is their games are selling well enough that we don't like consider them trash like what Activision does or maybe we just like to hate on Activision I don't know it, it felt like I had a thought there
2: well well it is fun to hate on Activision yeah but I mean like we talked about how Activision's model is was not sustainable because they were having to up their game every year. You know, they would put out this this Call of Duty, and then they were expected to build upon that and up their game on all these sequels, and it, it would become to a point where it's not sustainable. Which was the theory by some people, the reason why. And I'm sure the scandals that they were involved in had something to do with that, with their their terrible work culture. But th- there were people out there that theorized that their development strategy was not sustainable, and that was part of the reason they decided to sell to somebody, and it being Microsoft. You know, Ubisoft, they do put out good games, but my perspective is, as a gamer, is someone, I've, I've, I think the first game that I ever bought for them, like, Assassin's Creed Origin is the first game I bought from them in a long, long time. And I don't represent all gamers. I'm not trying to say that. I don't even represent everybody on this show, but, and it seems like all of our perspectives are on this show that Ubisoft is kind of stale. Is it, does anyone? No, I agree with, with that?
0: that. Nope. Fair statement.
2: Matt, uh, would no, you say we I, I agree. Steel?
3: You absolutely. It's it's they're counting on the same thing year in year out.
2: And so I'm, I mean, right. they're they they have a talented workforce. Uh, they have talented developers. They put out good games. They are a reliable game developer, and the fact that they're so reliable is probably the reason they don't get as much hate as Activision, and EA, and, and you can see with their series like Assassin's Creed, like you can see they do try to freshen it up. So I just I don't know. I don't know what their solution is—more, more new IP, less sequels. But I just, when I think about it, I don't buy a lot of Ubisoft games. So there's something within their portfolio that doesn't speak to me. Most of their games don't speak to me, um, and they got to do something. So, all
1: right. Some comments from the chat. Caitlin uh, says, "That's money speaking, homie. If Ubisoft made as much as Activision, we'd we re- we would be saying the name Activision." Are uh, Rick says Ubisoft are just a dev now. AAA is gone. Uh, Kayla says now nah, there's still there's still AAA. It's just a matter of what they're making. And Rick says Assassins is a triple isn't a triple S game, uh, a AAA game in his opinion.
2: I I would call it a AAA game. It, I mean AAA is all based on how much money they spend on the game, and I would guarantee they spend more money on Assassin's Creed than any other game they make. So I would still especially with especially with the travel and the the research and the details they put into those and games I would say And the team's a the team has to ones. be massive. So, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand the thinking to where it's not a triple A game because it just doesn't have that feel because we've seen so many Assassin's Creed it doesn't necessarily feel like that anymore. Maybe it just feels kind of old and tired at this point and maybe that's why. Um so I can see from that perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, but to be fair, Alex, uh you are playing Origins, which was a dramatic change from the way Assassin's Creed played. I mean, that's when they went to the big open world.
4: I—I
0: well, don't I say was not that the first one that they decided they were going to take two or three years to develop it instead of every year.
1: No, I think I think they came out. With, I th- I think Origins came out a year after the last one. Then they took two years off to make Valhalla. No, Valhalla wasn't the second. The next one, the next one was Odyssey. Like Odyssey.
2: Odyssey
1: oh okay and then they took two years to come out with Valhalla and we were supposed to get another Assassin's Creed on the two-year cycle this year but that uh, game has apparently been delayed
2: yeah but Uh, also they did more um, they started doing DLC with Origins but they've done more DLC I think with Valhalla than any other game so that probably threw them off their cycle
1: yeah Matt you looked like you were getting ready to say something sir
3: no, it was just, uh, again, to do to copy what you did, pulling up the list of Activision games, and just from 2020 to present, one of the gents mentioned Crash Bandicoot 4. Interestingly enough, they did the publishing portion for Sekiro Shadows Die Twice on Stadia, and then, didn't even know this, but uh, through their Vicarious Visions, they did the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake.
1: Okay, Sekiro, a new IP, but everything else you just mentioned is not a brand new IP. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's
3: all no, and that just highlights the points that Activision is is doing what they do best, just pumping out the same thing every year.
1: And obviously, you know, with Call of Duty the big, being the biggest moneymaker, they can just pump that out every year and people will buy it. Same thing that EA was doing for a long time with, like, Madden.
2: So. Yeah, Well, that's the difference between Activision and Ubisoft is they're both pumping out the same games over and over, but the, Ubis- the the Activision ones make more money. And to be fair, you know, Activision is worth more than most independent, like most video game publishers, you know, aside from the platform holders. But, I mean, yeah, like Call of Duty, Candy Crush, they have more value by IP than Ubisoft does because none of Ubisoft stuff makes that much money. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, obviously Ubisoft, they're canceling projects, they're delaying stuff. They, you know, Yves Gomont is taking a pay cut or at least not getting as much in bonuses as they normally would. So I think that Ubisoft is, they're going to look at this and restructure things how they do, like game-wise, game, game wise, they're going to look at their portfolio they obviously have and they're going to refocus. So they're, they're going to take this opportunity to kind of restructure things and, and, and look at their financials in depth. But, uh, I mean... They're pretty reliable as a game studio, so hopefully, like I would like to buy more Ubisoft games, but you you got to put out more stuff that I want to play. So, but they're obviously taking a look at everything, and hopefully, it it, it benefits the company overall.
1: All right, I, I'm gonna put a pin in this conversation because we kind of kind of have to move on a little bit. Uh, we're getting a little long. Uh, great conversation. I wish we could keep going, but we just we have other things we have to cover. Uh, the last article we have before going into our topic of the week is coming from IGN, written by george yang uh former uncharted 4 and last of us director bruce straley has opened up a new studio called wildflower in interactive the studio is made up of developers who've worked on games such as call of duty abzu kenya bridge of spirits and astroneer uh quote in 2017 i left the industry not sure if i wanted to make games anymore but the longer I was away, I kept thinking about this medium and everything yet to be done and everything I wanted to do still, and this idea kept following me, so I grabbed some friends and we started prototyping, end quote. According to Wildflower Interactive's website, the studio is aiming to create small-ish, creatively charged, and unique, uniquely stylized games. While the studio didn't reveal any other information about any projects, it is currently embracing remote work. It looks like Wildfire Interactive is is still early development as they are hiring for roles such as COO, audio designer, character designer, environmental artist. Uh, Wildfire Wildfire Interactive's current employees include... uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce these names. Wow, I should have read this article ahead of time. Uh, But yeah. Uh, and the article just goes on to say, "Australia left Naughty Dog in 2017. He had no announcements about his next steps, but wanted to quote continue the journey into the creative process." End quote. Uh, so I didn't realize Australia left so long ago. So Matt, we'll go to you first. Uh, you, yeah, I think he left right after Uncharted Four.
0: Was it Uncharted Four? Yeah, I, I thought it was in the during the last of during towards the end of Last of Us. It was Uncharted Four where, where he left.
1: I think he left on during Uncharted Four because I think that was his last game. Because him, okay, him and Druckmann took over Four, I believe. Okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll research that just to make sure. But uh, Matt, we'll go to you. No, first. that you're probably about right. Uh,
3: personally, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me. You know, it, I tend to only listen or pay attention to the big names behind the developers. But uh, to me, somebody going out starting their own new studio is always a good thing to see whether it succeeds or not. I, I hope everybody who has a chance to do so succeeds, but even if it doesn't, hopefully they bring something new to the table that sparks the next big IP that comes out. Uh, before I go to you, yield
1: yes, Australia really left on, after Uncharted 4.
0: Okay, so uh, I like this. I always... I don't know why. I, I always kind of thought... Straley was, uh, since they were co-heads at Night Dog, I always tended to like Straley a little bit more, and I, I can't put my finger on why. Um, I like the idea that they're going to do small-ish games that are creatively charged, because for some reason now that seems to fit my wheelhouse. Uh, you know, that it, it shows that you can... I, I'll, I point to uh, The Last Campfire, from hello games that only like two people developed it and it was a really good game, but it wasn't very long, but it was really good, told a really good story. And I, you know, if in the right environment, those type of games can thrive. So I, I hope they do really well.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm getting yelled at by Rick in the chat. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, Alex, your thoughts on Australia? Uh,
2: last Campfire Yield, I'll, I'll throw it out there for that game. Uh, Ashley really likes that as well. So, um, yeah, that is that is a game that has gotten high praise from people here in this house as well. Uh, Straley, obviously, with its ties to Sony, being part of Naughty Dog, I bet he's got it, uh, somebody who's willing to fund projects in the future for him. So that's a nice little perk for, for Wildflower. You know, the more people that are making games, the better. I know it feels at times it feels like there's you go to the store, you know whether you're on Xbox or you're on PlayStation or you're on Switch and it's just there's too much to play there's there's not enough time to play all the games that are you know being put out. But I also believe that having so many people, you know, making games and having more ideas out there, that's just better for everyone. It's better for the industry. It's better for people who play games. So I, I think it's definitely a good thing that Bruce Trailly has brought his expertise back to the video game industry. And as, you know, as you know, recruited, obviously people from around the, the, um, the industry as well from some noted game studios who we know, you know, we, you know, Keenan of spirits was mentioned in there as someone he had, you know, brought their expertise in somebody from that studio, uh, Ember, Ember labs. So we know that these people can make good games. Australia, obviously being part of the uncharted last of us teams. So there's got, they've got good brain trust here. Um, within this company abzu was another game that you know it was a very relaxing game a nice exploration game underwater exploration so i enjoyed that for what it was so you know seems to brought a nice group of people here uh to to make games to to further that creative process so yeah from you know based on what i've heard they've got good foundations if they ever need funding for a project i'm sure sony's willing to help out you know depending upon the the idea so Australia's got in there, so yeah I mean, this this is a good thing for the industry, more and more people creating for the industry is a good thing
1: Alright, uh we're trying to, right now Matt's trying to figure out what face mask uh, Rick is saying, uh apparently Matt has something behind him that says it looks like something from The Thing which is the greatest John Carpenter movie ever I agree <laughs> with him there, but I well, mean Well, it's certainly like, not uh, Ghost of Mars <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know what face mask thing he's talking about. Fine!
3: I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can think of.
1: Uh, Kaler says he thinks he's talking about your pillow. Oh.
3: That's my, it's my scuff pillow. It's for when I'm sitting back in my chair. <laughs> Rick says, no, the pink. All right, we're going to figure this out. The pink.
0: The pillow. Oh, yeah, the pillow the on pillow. the bed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know, uh, but I don't know either. Can, can you hold that up for a second, there, Matt? The the scuff thing. Fun fact for anybody that uh, back in the SG days, remember eight bit bass?
0: I know the name. Good old Matt. Cliff. He invented
1: that. Yeah, he invented that, and then sold his design to uh, Scuff.
0: well he should be a rich person, or at least financially well.
1: Rick says that was it—the pink thing—the pillow. <laughs> All right, Z, Get, getting back on track. He said, uh, "Kayla says it's a pillow, but it looked like a face." <laughs> I don't know. I it's like agree a with that. Sorting hat. All right. Uh, speaking of things that are British, uh, we have you, you didn't, our Sophie. Sophie. Right. I'm sorry. What? How did? How was I supposed to? British. say British.
0: British yeah things that are british british
1: we have uh this week's Sophie Sophie's which uh, I must apologize to uh Sid we were supposed to patch it into last week's show but uh we forgot well, well, hold, to, so. no we didn't forget Ooh, to you I forgot. never
2: got it I never found it in my email and it wasn't in the dropbox so I assume there wasn't one I told you there was I one I looked in the dropbox depend on the edit I looked in uh, I looked listen. in dropbox and there wasn't one it was I there. didn't see it here it is
1: here it is
4: Hello again my friends um, Time for another Sophie's Trophy And as you may have guessed It's going to be another quick one um, I really need to get around To playing some more big games On the Playstation But uh, the Switch seems to have Taken over my life at the moment So it may be a little while um, But we will see um, So yeah Quick game called Infestor Or Infesta Whatever they say And the idea is you're a little green alien blob type thing. You go around the levels, jump over spikes, um, infect people to take over them to make them do things for you. Um, Very minimalist style. Uh, Not much to it, guys, I have to say. But overall, it's not too bad of a little game for a platinum. So, we have 13 trophies in this one. And the first one is always the platinum which is Platinum infester, or Infestor. And that is get all other trophies, as always. Then we have Colonist, which is take control of a colonist. Very simple, go up to a colonist and press uh, Square. You press Square to take over, so you jump into their bodies. Um, Take control of a worker. Again, press Square near them. Uh, Take control of a guard. Now, guards have guns, um, so you will need them uh, to shoot certain enemies, shoot robots and things, but if they see you, they will kill you straight away, so take them over and then use their gun. Then you have Overseer, and you can take control of them to unlock certain doors. So there is a puzzle element to this game, guys. Um, You know, it's quite a good little game, to be honest. Um, One of the better ones, I have to say. Then we have jet scouts. Take control of a jet scouts. So that is good English, isn't it? Let's just do that one again, guys. Take control of a jet scouts. Um, So scouts means plural, which means more than one. So maybe they have schizophrenia. I don't know. Then we have droid. Destroy a droid. Then we have turret. Destroy a turret. So you will need the uh, guard to do that. As they are the only ways you can get weapons. Then you have complete level 10, complete level 20, complete level 30, complete level 40, complete level 50. So, all in all, guys, levels take about, I don't know, 30 seconds to a minute and a half each. So, not too long for this one, guys. Um, very simple, good little platinum, not too bad of a little game. Um, I know I keep saying it guys, but I will get around to playing something eventually, but nothing's piquing my interest I have to say I have the new PS Plus And everything but nothing's nothing's gripping me at the moment. Um, I don't know why But uh, hopefully later on in the year, I'll start to get some games that I can really sink my teeth into Um, I have to say getting bored with turtles uh, Shredders revenge I have to level everyone up now and see all the endings it gets a bit tedious I'm not one for that kind of stuff, guys. Um, uh, I really don't like repeating myself, even though that's what I tend to do on this every week. But, hey, you know, sarcasm is great. Um, So, anyway, that's it for this week, guys. Um, Hope you're all okay, and keep getting those trophies. Bye.
1: Thank you, Sid, for that. And before we go into our topic of the week, we have to play the soundbite, which I moved on my... So, I have to make sure I get the right one. Uh, here we go. Time to check my social media. Yeah. Uh, I was demanded by Rick to make sure I mention these, or he's going to shake his fist at me. Uh, first question Thoughts on games that continue to release free updates and add trophies a la Minecraft or Minecraft Dungeons? Felt great getting 100% on Minecraft Dungeons again recently, but I know it would only inevitably release the next update. Would Tricky like something like this with a Division 2, or is he happy having the 100% and just playing for fun? Uh, I will answer last. Yield, what do you think about games that uh, continuously release trophies with their DLC, or do you just want to play the game?
0: Uh, I'm 50-50 on this. Um, while, like, I'll use World of Warships. I've had the Platinum for a few years now. I still play it because of some of the content they release, Bureau or freebie stuff, free ships that they'll give away if you complete something in time. I still dive back in and I still play it. Um, It's nice that I have the 100%. Nice little, you know, little flag. I can, indivisible flag that I can wave. I got the 100% on it. But there are some times where it would be nice if there was something else to chase in the game, you know, if they were to add trophies. So I'm like, yes and no on this, you know, but, um, it depends on the game as well. Because even if you're adding trophies sooner or later, you're going to add something that not everybody likes or people are going to get tired of playing it and then move on. So naturally you're going to lose your hundred percent. So
1: I'm, I'm down the middle. All right. What, one of the classic games, which I am surprised you didn't mention it was Burnout Paradise they released, I think it was like seven or eight DLC packs and they all had trophies on them. Yes. So, Alex, what do you think? Uh, do you want more trophies with DLC or would you rather just keep your
2: 100%? I like my 100%. Now, I mean, if you release DLC for a game and it's got trophies, that's, I mean, that's fine. I, I, the only instance where I've been really annoyed that with a DLC that released trophies was Mr. X's Nightmare for Street to Rage 4 because I had the Platinum and the 100%. And then they release a DLC, and there are trophies in there that are too hard for me to get. So, wah-wah, I uh, I can't get 100% back in those. So, I'm kind of annoyed. But, th- I mean, that's the only instance. I mean, I can deal with it. It's fine. Uh, Rocket League used to... They had a whole bunch of DLC packs where they added more and more trophies. Because that game has more trophies, or at least has a higher number of trophies than most games out there. It's got, like, 88 trophies for it. Or something like that. Between 80 and 90. I can't remember the exact number. But there's a lot of trophies for that game because they used to release new trophies with all the content packs or all the free updates they did. Of course, they haven't done that in a long long time and I don't think they're going to add any more. But um yeah, I mean it's fine. I I enjoy. It gives you a reason to go back and play a game. Now, if all of the games that you played, and you have 100% in, are releasing extra content and they got more trophies, it can get kind of annoying because oh, well, instead of playing anything new, I got to go back and mop up all these trophies again. So it can get overwhelming depending on how many games are doing that but if it's a game like that you play regularly like a rocket league or a world of warships and they're just releasing new content it's like oh here's some new trophies you know if you if you play that game you know regularly it's not a big deal so it it does give you know more trophies to chase i do like my 100% though so the only instance where i'll get a little annoyed is if you release a super hard trophy that i can't get but other than that i'm fine with it i just don't want to feel overwhelmed though with with having to get extra trophies when i would rather be playing new games
1: yeah, uh, before I go to Matt, because uh, Matt, I don't think you're really into trophies, are you, as much as we are? Correct. Sure, okay. Uh, Garrett says, Rocket League is another they wish they would add trophies to again. It's been a while since their last trophy updates with DLC. Rick responded by saying, all the new trophies that came uh, were before went free to play. And Garrett said, yes, that's true. Uh, now, as far as me, the Division 2, they added trophies to the new content, and I forgive me i think it was yield that said that when they add trophies to the dlc uh it it gives you something to chase uh unfortunately the the added trophies they added to the division was just simply like beat this mission which that's what the content was so it wasn't like you were going out of your way to do some weird thing associated with the dlc it was like hey this is the new raid beat the raid uh this is the warlords of new york go beat the four-story missions And finish the DLC and get back to DC. So, yes, I like trophies getting added to games, especially if it's a game I love playing. But am I happy just playing for the fun? Obviously, because I finally got all the trophies and I play that game all the time. But I play The Division more because of the content drops with the new manhunts, the new uh, apparel events and stuff like that. So that's why I keep going back because I love playing the game. So that's where it falls for me. Uh, Kayla says it depends on the game. And Rick says, I don't mind on Minecraft and dungeons because I know they're fairly simple, but it can take time. Uh, and then Rick says, I do think Matt is a badass. Oh, sorry. Next question. Uh, it was originally supposed to be for Andy, uh, but he wants me to ask you, Matt. Uh, he says, Are you really a badass?
3: No, not in the slightest.
1: Okay. Uh, next question. Uh, from Also from Rick. Running Up the Hill got t- to number one in the U- UK because of Stranger Things and Master of Puppets. Got a whole new generation into metal, including his nine-year-old son. What two songs would you like to get similar treatment next season? Doesn't have to be correct. Timeline-wise, time any decade is fine. He says he would like to see Painkiller by Judas Priest and Bruce Campbell by Psycho Stick. Uh, so I guess I'm going to have to go to you, Alex, because you are the Stranger Things person here. What two songs would you like to see uh, get the treatment of coming back and being relevant again?
2: I don't know if – there's only one song I can think of immediately that um, that would I, I would pick, but I don't think any of the songs that I would pick would be as relevant as Master of Puppets or would be as popular because I think they cracked what they were – it, the game, the the song had charted for the first time as high as it ever had after Stranger Things, so more people were listening to it than ever had before. I can't remember what exactly what uh, list it was that it cracked. Um, I have to look that up, but um, yeah, I think Megadeth "Peace Sells, that'd be a song that I would love to hear in the next season of Stranger Things. And then I don't know. I've always been partial to so on the, the playlist, if you go to uh, Spotify, they do have the official soundtrack for Stranger Things on there and they've got Dead or Alive's uh, Spin Me Around um, or, uh, I can't remember what the exact name of the song is, but it's, it's Dead or Alive's um, You Spin Me Around uh, that's already on there Um, maybe A Flock of Seagulls I Ran, I, I don't know, I, I do like quite a few eighty songs, I would just, off the top of my head, Megadeth P. Cells is one of the ones I can think of and I know he said that any any oh, um, Painted Black by the Rolling Stones. We'll say Megadeth, P. Cells, and Painted Black by the Rolling Stones.
4: Oh, I love Painted Black.
2: Rick's, Rick
1: says, dude, I wish Megadeth beat Metallica for this season. No. Metallica was the choice, because Megadeth sucks. Uh, well, they
0: have, they have some
1: good songs. <laughs> uh, Matt, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, do you watch Stranger Things? And if you do, do you have an answer to the question?
3: Yes. Um... Slightly different direction, I'm going to go with Machine Head and either Halo or... Wool. No, I'm sorry, Farewell to Arms. Those are my two. Okay.
1: Uh, Yield, I, I, I'm going to ask you, do you watch Stranger Things and do you have an answer to the question?
0: No, I do not watch Stranger Things, but I did post a metal cover of Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters in the Facebook group, and you should check it out because it freaking rocks.
3: Yeah, yeah. Dude,
1: I, I was going to... The guy... I was going oh, to... I'm sorry, Matt. I was going to call you out on this on on uh, Facebook, but I decided to wait until the show to see if you mentioned it. I sent you that damn video a year ago. And did you? you? And you said it sucked. Do you know why you said it sucked?
0: Why did I say it sucked? Because
1: it was a TikTok
0: video. Oh, well, see, that was why, because it was a TikTok video. This was, I It popped up on my Facebook feed, and I watched the whole thing, and I was like, man, this is freaking awesome. It's a, see, don't send me It was the same damn video. Videos. Don't send me TikTok videos.
1: It was the same video. Don't uh, send me TikTok I'm videos. sorry, Matt, you were going to say something before I had to call Yield Out.
3: So with the video you guys posted, it's from uh, LeapFrog Studios. I've listened to a lot of what that guy has put out, and he it is, is amazing. He is phenomenal.
1: I, I watched him... I, I actually... The first video I ever saw of him was him redoing um, Missy Elliott.
2: Uh, one of the first videos and, I saw...
3: Sorry sorry to cut you off, but one of the first videos I saw that, was his metal version of DuckTales.
1: That, I saw that, too. Yield, you got to go look it up. Frog Leap Studios.
0: I'm, I'm going to look it up. Cause that sounds Leap like Frog a, Studios.
1: That would be amazing. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh... He's done uh, the Pokemon theme. Basically, anything you could think of, he's probably done. And the more impressive thing about the whole thing is, for our listeners as well, he plays every instrument. He does everything. There's no, like, it's not just him in the videos. It's literally him refilming himself playing every instrument. He plays every instrument on every one of his tracks. So, that's cool. All right, uh, and last question, uh, which I don't know if any of us are going to have an answer for, but he says, favorite Warhammer, Legion, or Primark, if you don't know one, just say Space Bulls or Lehman Russ. So, Yield, go to you first.
0: I've never played Warhammer.
1: Okay, so his answers are Space Bulls and Lehman Russ. Alex. Sorry, what was the question again? Favorite Warhammer, Legion, or Primark? Never played it. Okay, so his answers are Space Wilson and, and Russ. Matt.
3: I'm with Yield and Alex on this one.
1: So am I. I'm just not gonna say it again, <laughs> I guess. Failure oh, come on. <laughs> Failure of a question, Rick. I'm sorry. We don't play Warhammer. Uh Rick says, check out Smooth McGroove. I don't know what that means but I guess go check out Smooth McGroove uh, other doing video games videos acapella okay go check him that out alright so uh, I'm going to leave it up to uh, the my co-host because we are now over the two hour mark and I think that uh, if we do the topic of the week we're going to reach the three hour mark and I know Matt has to go soon and Alex doesn't really want to edit a three hour show so, I will leave it up to my co-host here. Do we save the topic of the week for next week, or do you guys want to get into it?
0: Well, to be honest with you, I only saw... It depends on why you want to cover it. I looked over it, because you wanted us to look over it to see if there was anything we want to talk about. I saw really only two video games mentioned. And one of them we already talked about. And...
1: All right, let me let me cut you off say just for clarification, our topic of the week is everything that was announced at uh San Diego Comic Con. Just so you yeah, know. What like ninety eight
0: percent of it was all T V shows and movies. All right. Not that that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying, in the grand scheme of things, there was like two video games. So I'm fine with just dropping it. All right. Matt
3: I, what I'm about you with Yield on this one because looking at the list everything announced, there's nothing Really, video game centric that we could focus on. Everything else is movies and comics, and there really hasn't been anything groundbreaking that I wanted to cover, anyways.
1: All right, Alex?
2: Ditto.
1: All right. Unfortunately, guys, we're going to skip the topic of the week, and uh, we will cover it at some other time. Maybe we'll do a, a special Patreon show or a special offshoot show just covering that because there is a lot of things in there, but, you know. it doesn't seem to appease the guys. Maybe I'll find some other people that want to talk about this stuff and we'll cover it. Uh, but obviously, if you're interested in San Diego Comic-Con, go in, look at the uh, all the stuff that was announced. Because if you're a Marvel fan, a lot of things were announced, uh, a lot of cool things there. So go check that out. Uh, but at this time, we're going to close out the show with some shout-outs. Uh, Yield, we'll start with you, sir.
0: So uh, give a shout-out to uh, Travis nitro and the brain 76 for some rocket league the other night uh shout out to matt for coming on on such short notice shout out to tricky and alex for recording tonight as always uh shout out to those of you who joined in in twitch i know i will forget some of you but neon skull uh rick kalai Black. Latin legacy and if i forgot you, latin legacy thank you all for joining in um Kind of a new thing we're doing, so you guys are on the ground floor.
1: And just, just so your listeners know, I'm going to try to convince Yield to be the one that watches the Twitch chat as we record, so he can tell us what he wants to talk about. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, at least we. Uh, i just, I'll just tell you now, it's not going to happen. But Yield, look, look at it this way at least you would be in control of the flow of the show and you would be in control about what comments we talk about instead of me interrupting the show and annoying you.
0: Actually, you did a really good job today. <laughs> I, 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 will give you, I will give you props. You did a really good job. It didn't feel like you were, like, forcing the comments into the show. It flowed. So I, I'm giving you props.
1: Rick, Rick in the chat said that uh, that would be awesome if you covered it. I don't know if it will. Matt, your shout-out. I
0: might, get, I might get too distracted and spend more time talking in Twitch than I do on the show.
1: <laughs> you, said you could. Rick says, Yield, you, you could ignore everything. Matt, your shout-out, Matt, sir.
3: Shout-out to my awesome wife, V. Allow me to do this tonight and uh, a lot of the other oh. nights. Shout-out to my co-hosts on the Driftcast, Joe and Kalai. We've got a new episode coming out soon. Catch us there. And shout-out to you, gents, for having me on. I really appreciate it.
1: All right, Alex. Your shout out. Shout out to the
2: community, the fans, the fuel to the fire that is Trophy horse. Thank you all for continuing to push us forward. Join us in the chat, interacting and asking us questions as we go along, and making this an interactive show. You guys keep the show going, so thank you all very much for just continuing to support us as we do this for 500 more episodes. Maybe I don't know. Probably not. That's that's the plan that Tricky wants to do. But at least at least at 550, we'll we'll at least get there, and probably 600. Um, shout out to tricky and to yield as well as a shout out to Matt for coming on last minute. Thank you sir and you know thank you for you know even if we didn't have to bust it out, thank you for bringing your knowledge of Zelda on the show. It's nice to know that we actually have an, a Zelda expert on the show for once. And I want to give a shout out there were a couple there's a, actually a, a big shout out to, uh, well, before I go, I go to Ashley, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Ubisoft for Assassin's Creed Origins as I wrap up the game. They did a spectacular job building the world of ancient Egypt, even if they couldn't go there in person. And just kind of the small things, like I was just walking through the world, going on a mission, and out in the water I saw, just out of the corner of my eye, a hippo and a crocodile fighting. And all of a sudden I saw the hippo take the hip, the uh, crocodile by the tail and just whip into the air and slam into the water. Just those little things, just around the world, make it feel so lively and just so... In depth and just so natural. So kudos to Ubisoft for the world they built into in Assassin's Creed Origins, and especially for the DLC Curse of the Pharaohs. It's fantastic. And last but not least, I want to thank my loving and awesome girlfriend Ashley. She actually bought us concert tickets to a show at uh, Zanzibar here in Louisville. That uh, a tour a, t- a touring group Bit Brigade. They play a lot of old school uh, video game music as well as they uh, the the group joining them on the tour the Super Guitar Bros. They had. Uh, two guys who play uh, on ac- ac- acoustic guitars. They play a lot of uh, old Donkey Kong Country, Super Mario, Legend of Zelda. For instance, they played the Guru Valley theme. They played Aquatic ambiance as well as Gangplank Galleon from DKC. They opened up the show with the... Uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark theme? Just some really cool stuff they did. And Bit Brigade, if you've never seen them before, if you ever get the chance and you love video games, you should definitely see them. But they basically played the entire soundtrack of Mega Man 2 and Castlevania. Because basically what they do is... So there's four four members of the band and then a fifth. And the fifth guy actually plays through the video game itself. So as he's playing through the game, doing a speed run, the band around him plays all the music as it comes up. So the first level and then the interludes, you know, like in Mega Man like the like the the stage select theme, then the then the, the Robot Master selected theme, and then they'll go through the stage and play the stage theme. So they're basically playing the entire theme, like soundtrack to the game as the guy plays through the game. So I did two no-death runs in Castlevania and Mega Man 2, which is very impressive. And the band played just awesome renditions of all the songs. So if you ever see Big Brigade come up or the Super Guitar Bros come up uh, as a touring in your town, you should definitely go check them out because it's a fantastic show. But to bring it back, uh, to thank you, Ashley. I love you, honey. And uh, I'm just super glad she got those tickets because we both had a fantastic time.
1: All right. Uh, So final things before I give out my shout-outs. Rick says... Matt makes me want to start a podcast just to have him on as a guest. And R- Daryl says, uh, We have officially had a longer show this week than the Loop Bros. And I said, Well, not only were, are we longer, but we're obviously the better show. So. Uh, and <laughs> then Rick wants to know who I'm eyeing up. That would be Sweet Mama D, who's uh, over there playing Stray. All right, uh, shout outs shout out to Matt. Thank you very much for filling in on short notice. Uh, I greatly appreciate that. Uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. Rick, Daryl, Caneless, uh, Latin Legacy, Nitro was in the chat. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, if you were in the, the chat, thank you very much. Uh, at, you know, this is a new thing. It seems to be working out really well. we getting a lot of fan interaction, which I'm liking. Uh, although Rick, does talk a lot, but in his defense, he says you don't have to read everything he writes. He's just talking to himself. Uh, Shout out to the listeners. Shout out to Sweet Mama D. Shout out to the goddess, and shout out to the listeners. Obviously, you guys make this show good. And if there's nothing else, until next week, happy trophy hunting. Later. Peace! First, then rate all me
2: this: save your last word.